Hey guys, this is Mike, just letting you know to stay tuned after the regular episode for a special interview with Concetta Parker from Parker Publicity. Uh, she's the publicist for James Arnold Taylor and Catherine Tabor. So stay tuned right after the credits for that interview. Hello there, Obi-Wan Kenobi here, and you're listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast, brought to you by StarWarsDaily.com. The Force will be with you, always. Hey, Clone Wars fans, welcome back to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast, the original podcast dedicated to the Clone Wars animated series. This is episode number 94 for the episode Revenge. I am your host, Matt Krinky, and joining me as always from the Great White North, Mr. Michael Cohen. What's up, my friend? Hey, uh, it's uh, it's going pretty good. Uh, we got good? 157 yeah. days, three hours, 13 minutes and four <laughs> seconds to Star Wars Celebration. The season is at a close. Uh, so yes. that means that it's really just like that's that's what's going on now, right? Um, yeah, everything's on this. Yeah, huh? Clone Wars Clone Wars is done uh, for the year. Well, not for the year, but for, for the 2011-2012 the season. And uh, James Arnold Taylor is going to be hosting Star Wars Celebration uh in uh in august on the from the 23rd to the 26th uh he'll be the main host and uh and I, i'm just looking forward to it we have uh we have some cool podcasts lined up uh in the interim to get us from this the 94th episode to our 100th yes. episode at star wars celebration but yes. uh but yeah uh, yeah, so it's kind of, it's exciting. It's good stuff. Yeah, it's just, it's kind of it's kind of a bittersweet time as well because we uh, we're finishing up episode four already. It's only March and we're already done with episode four, season four. I'm sorry, season four. We're done with it, and uh, and we're going to talk about that here in a few minutes. But we got to get to just a couple items real quick, and let's do that now. Welcome. I have been expecting you. This is just the beginning. This is where the fun begins. Join us or die. Our meeting was not a coincidence. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. (laughs) 
All right, Mike. So there's not a you know like we you just talked about. There's not a ton of stuff no. going right now. Everything's involved around the Clone Wars and the season finale here. But there was just a couple of items that kind of caught my eye on. I saw a YouTube video on um, one of the uh, collecting sites. Uh, there's Lego. You know, of course they just uh, we we did their contract with Star Wars. I think it's for another ten years. And uh, they're coming out with this Lego Ultimate Collector Series R2-D2. And this thing is gigantic. I mean, you talk about a big collectible. This thing is over 2,000 pieces. And I love these these uh, these big Lego things. I have the big uh, Luke's X-Wing. I think it was over 2,000 pieces. Um, God, I think it's just a beast. And uh, this thing looks just the same. It's going to be 12 inches, at least 12 inches high. It's a little over 12 inches, actually seven inches wide um retractable third leg front panels open uh rotating head uh control arms the, and it comes with a, like an r2d2 minifigure and a plaque and it's just lego man sometimes especially with these these collector series stuff i mean it's so good i mean it's expensive uh, you're talking uh, 180 bucks us um but Man, they make some really some really cool stuff. The Super Star Destroyer is is something I have my eye on. You go with my uh, X-wing, and uh, this thing is another really nice looking uh, Lego piece. And they had it, like I said, they had a video on it. Some on one of the sites you can f find it. Um, you can get a, a sense of how big this thing. You say 12 inches, you're like, oh yeah. But when you see it in front of these guys that are the two guys that uh, designed it, you're like, wow, that's a, that's a pretty big piece. Um, so, you, do you do much Lego? Uh, stuff? I do. I huh. yeah. Do I, 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 I mean, a fair bit. Not not as much as some people. It's not one of my main uh, collecting hobbies. And the, my problem is that the Star Wars isn't always the most exciting Lego for me. Uh, like just this past Christmas. I got, uh, let's see, well, I got the, the dino, uh, there's like, it's Lego dinosaurs or something like that, or I can't remember what it's called, but it's a set with dinosaurs and stuff, so I have, I have one of those, just like a little Jeep with a little Velociraptor type thing, uh, and mm, then yeah. I got the, the first Lego set to have a Superman minifigure uh, that just nice. came out. Uh, also, like just after Christmas, um, so yeah. I mean, I, I do I do collect Lego, but not necessarily the Star Wars stuff. So when something like this comes out, that's like a it's a two hundred and fifty dollar almost. Oh, uh, well, yeah. I guess one seventy nine, yeah. ninety nine Canadian. I oh no, well, let's see what is this? It's one seventy nine ninety nine American, two twenty nine ninety nine Canadian. One forty nine ninety yeah. nine uh, in the UK. Yeah, uh, I don't know. That's just a little bit out of my price range when it comes to a Lego set. As as impressive as this one looks, you know, uh, it's not oh, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd rather get a whole bunch of the smaller ones uh, or the Millennium Falcon. Finally, I mean, geez, I've been wanting that one. Oh forever. yeah, but yeah, and the Star Destroyer is the one I really want. That's the yeah. one that's uh, shoot is what two or three feet long or something like that. Uh, oh, wow. I was just like, if I ever find that somewhere, uh, it's really kind of hard to find. And so once in a while, you'll see it on eBay and all that. But I, I'm always worried about, like, all the pieces being in there. So, But that's just uh, one thing going on. Uh, last week, Mike, we talked about – actually, this um, – before I before I finish here, um, this LEGO uh, Ultimate Collector R2-D2 is coming out in May of 2012. So if anybody's 
wondering when that's coming out. It's coming out fairly soon. Uh, you know, last week, Mike, we talked about Topher Grace and his involvement in editing all three Star Wars prequels down to an 85-minute uh, movie. And we had some interesting things to say. You really had some uh, interesting things yeah. to say. And um, I'm going to I'm kind of going to be the uh, the one that's going to throw some out at you today. And, and Carrie Fisher and Jake Lloyd, we talked about this before, I think, that they were going to be in Japan just real briefly a couple episodes ago, signing autographs and all that for um, the premiere of The Phantom yes. Menace in Japan. So here's the thing. Um, Jake Lloyd has been pretty adamant about how he just kind of ever since the phantom menace came out he's had problems at school with kids you know teasing them and he's had to do tons of interviews and it's made his life like a living hell and he's never going to act again because of of his experience with lucas and episode one and i really think it's kind of funny that you you say that but then you're going to go and promote the Phantom Menace over in Japan, okay? And you're going to do this, and you're going to sell photos, you're going to sell autographs. Two photos with Jake Lloyd is going to cost $27 American. Um, in Japan, it's like, I don't know, 1,500 yen or whatever, okay? And then for an autograph photo, mm -hmm. it's going to cost you close to 50 US dollars for Jake Lloyd autograph photo now now this kind of bugs me a little bit because here's someone like i said who's come out and is adamant about how just like i said he was mistreated yeah. he hey does not gonna act anymore i'm not gonna do that and it was a pain and everybody teased me and blah 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 and you're gonna go and do and and still do the circuit and still collect money off of lucas yeah uh, that, that's rubbing me the wrong way and you know <laughs> There's plenty of actors that were in episode one. And, you know, a lot of people talk about how episode one was the uh, the weakest. And, and that's not really my feeling. I think it's a little better than it's it's close with two. But, you know, you don't see Liam Neeson, um, you know, talking smack about yeah. it. Uh, you don't really hear Ewan McGregor. You know, he's just kind of that was something he did. You know, it's not, not a great, not a big deal yeah. or anything. But I don't, I've never heard him like really bash and say, like, I'm never going to act again. And. I got teased and whatever. So, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and, and make a long drawn out thing about it. I just thought it was kind of a, it was a kind of like a weak move on Jake Lloyd's part yeah. to to bash it like that and then come back and then make money off of autographs for the Phantom Menace. So, yeah. you know, yeah. you had Topher Grace last week. I have Joy Jake Lloyd <laughs> this week. That's my that's like my little pet peeve right there is when these actors just do that, you know, I just don't get it. You know, come on. How much money did you make off of Phantom Menace? I don't know. You know, he, he was eight years old. His parents were yeah. involved. Uh, I, you know, whatever. But it's rubbing me the wrong way. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I, I mean, he continues to make money off of it, both from being in the movie and, you know, residuals and all that. But then also right. with exactly what you're talking about, I mean, you want to gripe about it and complain to anyone who will listen and and say that you were so hard done by and that that movie ruined your career and and ruined your your childhood and stuff like that well i mean why are you then turning That's around and, and and turning a profit <laughs> on it right like you you don't get yeah. to have it both ways you can you yeah. can disassociate yourself with it uh, and really just not talk about it ever and uh, and focus on your other stuff 
uh, and move on from there. Or you can continually remind people that 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 you were Anakin Skywalker for five seconds. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you you brought up Ewan McGregor, who has been vocal about not necessarily thinking that that the prequels came out as as uh, good as he uh, had hoped that they would be. I mean, when you get asked to be a part of Star Wars, yeah, you right. don't really say no, right? Uh, and I think that that that's kind of his his stance on it is that like, you know, you just, you just kind of do it, whether the movies end up being as good as you hope. Uh, that's, that's kind of another thing. Right. Um, so, I mean, he's been, been fairly vocal about, you know, a, a take it or leave it. The movies are what they are. And, and, uh, he would have mm-hmm. liked them to be a little bit closer to, to the quality of the originals. But, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, you're in Star Wars. You, you know, he's Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, and exactly. Jake Lloyd is Anakin Skywalker. Now he is, in fact, the most reviled version of Anakin Skywalker of the three that there have been. Well, I guess four if you count, uh, if you count uh, Sebastian Shaw in in Return of the Jedi. Uh, and you know, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, Matt Lanter in the Clone Wars is probably the most celebrated one, I and mean, he's he's an excellent Anakin Skywalker. I wish that you could go in and superimpose mm-hmm. him into Episode two and three, and give give him <laughs> his opportunity, because uh, I yeah. I love what he brings to the character. Not to take anything away from Hayden Christensen, I just think that Matt Lanter has done a much better job uh, emotionally fleshing out that character. And I mean, it's not entirely his work that's also the work of the writers uh for the clone wars that that have done such an amazing job with that character so i mean i i don't know i because another you know what here's the best example another actor who gets crap left and right from people for his portrayal is is i i daniel logan for his portrayal of boba fett as has been aptly nicknamed baby boba right like i mean it's not yeah. like he was that young when he did it he was he was what he was like 12 or 13 or something like that i think yeah it was yeah exactly um, yeah and uh and, and, and you know uh, he doesn't exactly uh bring in the most stellar performance uh in that i i think that some of his voice acting's been on a slightly higher tier than than some of his performance in in attack of the clones but uh, but mm-hmm. but he was a kid, so you know, like, what are you gonna do? You, you sort of forgive that a little bit, and uh, and you know, p- people love Boba Fett just like they love Vader, and uh, and to have that character come in and and be represented in a way that they don't necessarily agree with. Uh, we've been having a little bit of an argument like this on the on the the Facebook group lately uh, about mm-hmm. you know things not necessarily being represented the way we want them to be. So the fans get pretty hardcore about it, right? They say really nasty things, which I think are kind of unnecessary at times. Um, Jake Lloyd is not a very talented actor. There were other actors that age at that time that could have done a much, much better job with that material. And I think that would have uh, that that would have definitely affected people's opinions of episode one. So at the end of the day, yes, he does bring it down. Like his performance brings it down. He wants to blame that right. on somebody else. He wants to turn around and say, that's George Lucas's fault, or why are people so mean to me? I was just an actor in a movie. 
but mm-hmm. you know, I mean, if yeah. you want to blame someone, blame your parents that let you take that on. I, uh, <laughs> I know it's kind yeah. of a unique case, so there's nothing else to really, to really pit it against. But come on, somebody had to understand at the time, somebody close to him that, you know, you do this. There's going to be people who aren't going to like it, regardless of mm-hmm. how good it is. There's going to right. be backlash, and and I know that like at the time in '97, '98, we all thought you know oh they're going to make another Star Wars movie. It's going to be one of the greatest movies of all time, and that's not what we got. We got a fairly mediocre movie, much like with Attack of the Clones. We we get a pretty passable movie with it with Attack of the Clones. Uh, with Re- Revenge of the Sith, you you get a a, a a fairly good movie. I think you move up a little bit, but none of the three of them are nearly on the the quality level of the original trilogy. Right. So like, I think we all thought that there was going to be a much bigger deal than it was. And I'm sure that going into it, Jake Lloyd thought the same thing, you know, like, Oh, I'm going to be Anakin Skywalker and this is going to skyrocket my career. You know, first I worked with Arnold Schwarzenegger and jingle all the way. That was a home run. And now yeah. this, oh, it's going to be the greatest. I'm going to have the best career ever. And then it doesn't turn out that way. Uh, it's understandable why he's a little bit peeved. But maybe you keep it to yourself. And don't go blaming other people for the way that you've handled the last, you know, uh, 12 years. 13 years, yeah, however long right. it is. It's 13 years, yeah. Uh, that's, uh, you know, it's just kind of the way it goes. Sometimes... You get the crap end of the stick, and when you do, <laughs> you know you, you got hey. you, you you either take the lemons or you make lemonade, right? Like like I was saying about Daniel Logan, he's done the opposite. Boba was was reviled in episode two by a lot of fans, but Daniel Logan has turned that around, and through, through oh, yeah. his fan relations, he's turned a lot of people around on that character and on him as an actor. Because now he's like he's he's hardcore into the five hundred first. He's he's raising money for for charities and stuff like that through uh, through you know like the different helmet auctions and that sort of thing. Like like he's right in there. I don't see Jake Lloyd doing any of that. So yeah, you know, a Star Wars fan is going to be like, oh, Jake Lloyd, what a terrible actor, what a what a stupid kid. I hate him. He ruined the prequels. Blah blah blah. But over the last few years, people have completely forgotten how much they hated Daniel Logan's performance. And now it's like, oh, Daniel Logan's going to play Boba Fett on the Clone Wars? Oh, that's really cool. You know, yeah. like, if yeah. if they were going to do a flashback sequence of Anakin as a young Padawan, and they were like, oh, we'll get Jake Lloyd to come in and voice that, everybody would be like, oh, no, that's okay. We don't want that. <laughs> don't do that. Right? So it's like, yeah. I, I don't... I don't know what he's trying to accomplish by going out there, sit, talking all this smack, and then going like, I'm retiring from acting. As far as I know, you haven't really done anything that anybody's seen in the last 13 years since uh, uh, The Phantom Menace. Yeah, that's the last so, thing I saw, I mean, man, was The Phantom let's Menace. Let's just take a yeah. look at his IMDb. His current IMDb profile picture is, in fact, Anakin Skywalker in The Phantom Menace. His last mm-hmm. credit... 2002, Star Wars Racer Revenge, Anakin Skywalker. He was a voice in a video game. That's the last yeah, job that he's done, and it was Anakin Skywalker. Three years after Phantom Menace came out. 
he was still right. portraying that character, even if it was just in voice. I mean, he did, he did, uh, let's see, he does episode one, and then he does episode one Jedi Power Battles, the voice of Anakin. He does episode one Racer as Anakin, Galactic Battlegrounds as Anakin, Bombad Racing as Anakin, and Star Wars Racer Revenge as Anakin. So that's one, two, three, four. Five video games that he played that character in. And then the 06, because the Phantom Menace video game as well. And then the Phantom Menace itself. So he's portrayed that character seven times. And obviously within a, in a short span. But that's three years yeah. afterwards. I'm sure he had already gotten the brunt of of the the taunts and the, and the insults and stuff by then. And he was still showing up to record the voice and take the paycheck. But... Since mm-hmm. 2002, nobody's given him a job. And he can blame that on George Lucas and the script and blah, 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 like everybody else does. But uh, you know what? You know why you didn't get too many jobs after that, Jake Lloyd? Because you're just not that great of an actor. So, yeah, that's what it comes down yeah, to. You know, <laughs> yeah. So grape all you want, but there are other actors who are in your exact position that have turned around and, and made that into... Uh, a high point in their career and, and used it as a springboard. So, you know. Well, here's what you said. You you brought up Daniel Logan, and here's the difference, like you said, is he's now a part of the Star Wars community, and and he's such a... I mean, he's just... He, he embraces everybody. I saw... I met him a couple years ago at WonderCon in San Francisco, and he just was the coolest guy. He's roaming the crowd, talking to kids, uh, and he just loves the idea that he was in episode two and he can go to conventions yeah. and people get his autograph. And now he's, he, you know, builds on that. And now he's a voice actor and, and he's actually working on his craft. I mean, I, if you follow his Twitter, he's talking about sometimes about how he's taking acting yeah. lessons. So, you know, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's like a total 180 from, from Jake Lloyd. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people give him a lot of, a lot of crap and everything for what he did, but come on, the, the kid was only eight years old, and I tend to give him a pass. But, but, but hearing this story, it just like it just rubbed me the wrong way. So, yeah, you know, it's just it's just one of those things. Uh, you kind of some things bug you, and and that's one that kind of bugged me. So, you know, like you said, don't don't take uh, if you if you didn't like it, why are you still hanging around? You know, just just bow out gracefully, exactly. like. Like like Hayden Christensen did. I mean, he did his thing, yeah. and and that's it. You know, he's he doesn't do conventions, he doesn't do anything else. Yeah. But he doesn't talk smack about it or anything that I know of. You know, they all so, all of the actors from the prequels at one point or another have said something. You know, like oh, I signed on, and it wasn't what I thought it was going to be, or oh, we tried to make the best movie that we could, but it, you know, some of it just didn't didn't make it onto the screen, you know? Like, it's, I mean, even Samuel L. Jackson, who's like, I got to be the most badass Jedi in the galaxy with a purple lightsaber, only Jedi with a purple lightsaber in the movies. And, uh, and you know, like, he loves the fact that he's Mace Windu. And, and let's be honest, Samuel L. Jackson is a fantastic actor, and he is terrible in the prequels. He is not very good at all. Like he's really wooden no, and and just uh, it, it his portrayal doesn't come across. But you know he I I don't know that he specifically ever said anything. But I'm sure that at one point or another he's gone. You know, we tried, we did what we did. I'm happy with it. Other people may might not be happy with it, but you know 
that's the, what, what are you going to do? You can't please everybody, you know? And Ewan McGregor right. said his piece, Natalie Portman's had a few disparaging words, uh, about George Lucas and, uh, and, and star Wars. But, uh, you know, I mean, like at the end of the day, Natalie Portman now doesn't really talk about the fact that she was Padme unless it's in a joke, you know, like she's, hosting Saturday Night Live, yeah. they'll do a bit or something like that. But for Jake Lloyd, it's, yeah. I mean, he's ringing a bell that people have long since been ignoring. You know, like, and nobody cares yeah. about him. Nobody else wants <laughs> to even remember his portrayal. And uh, and and he's, you know, uh, what what's what's the, the coincidence that, you know, he's decided to announce his retiring from acting the same year that episode one is back in theaters. Right. right. Like, like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, that's like saying like, Oh yeah, they, they didn't put Darth Maul on the clone wars this season. Just, just cause episode one was coming out in theaters. It's like, yes, they did. There was no other reason to put Darth Maul on the series. <laughs> they planned it last year. Yeah. They set it up and then they executed this year. Like, come on. <laughs> the movie was yeah. in theaters. It's probably still in some theaters. I'm sure you can go find it if oh, you yeah. want. So, yeah. like, th- there's a reason why, and and I'm sure it's the same with him. That that there is a there's a connection here. He's trying to kickstart his career again with all this talk of I'm retiring from acting, so that somebody will go like, "Oh, you're retired. You know, don't retire. Come do this movie." You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways that's it man. anyways yeah, let's well, go we'll from get... negative to positive because there's some really cool stuff to talk about in this recap uh yeah yeah definitely definitely finish out the season yes. and and i was really happy so let's let's get let's to it. it a disturbance in the forest there is it possible to learn this power times i sense there's something here the army has assembled count dooku Mon Calamari system must not fall into Separatist hands. All troops, battle stations! This isn't gonna be easy. We'll disintegrate for sure! Suck it up, shiny. I will attack the Naboo! <laughs> I will return, mother. I want you. I don't work for free. Long-absent empire has been built upon the backs of slaves. Anakin has struggled to put his past behind him. I'll keep an eye on him. Bow down, Jedi thief. Welcome to Death Watch. No! All right, let's kick it off. With the finale, Revenge, Darth Maul, the Sith warrior thought to have been destroyed so many years ago by Obi-Wan Kenobi, was found alive by his brother, Savage Opress, who now takes him back to Mother Talzin on Dathomir. Though Darth Maul's memory has yet to be fully restored, his need for vengeance has awakened more powerful than ever. And I have to say that I really enjoyed this episode. Total 180 for me from uh, last week. Uh, some great visuals, great imagery, some fighting. I mean, everything I like in the Clone Wars. And 
a fitting ending, and we'll talk about the uh, ending later. Mm-hmm. Mike, I know we had some bad things. It's not bad things, but a little critical of last week. Yes. Um, what do you think about this? Uh, you know what? Um, there were still some weaknesses in in this story. Uh, and, and it did feel a little bit contrived, you know, just like, oh, we got to get Obi-Wan and Darth Maul in the same place. Uh, that, that line from the clip from last week just, oh, it rubs me the wrong way when he's like, I, 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 in context, it makes a little bit more sense. Out of context, it was a terrible clip to show where Obi-Wan goes, uh, I don't seem to recall you. And then Darth Maul gets all like, oh, yeah. you would remember me, blah, blah, blah. And he says, it, the point of that was, and, I, and just in case nobody got it, was that uh, Obi-Wan was trying to make sure that that was actually Darth Maul. Because uh, they should have done a little bit more to explain it. But I'm sure that in a world where you walk around with a clone army, the idea that somebody isn't who they say they are. And in, you know, three weeks after Obi-Wan has just uh, had his face nano genetically modified (laughs) into somebody else's, uh, it's entirely possible that somebody could just be messing with them. But then when he says what he says, you know, there's only so many people who would know that, who would know that Darth Maul, because like, it's not like, like they, uh, they walk out of there after episode one and, and Obi-Wan's like, yeah, so, you know, we killed a Sith Lord. Uh, I did that. And, you know, he's like broadcasting it to everybody. The only people who would have known what was happening there are probably the Jedi council. The the rest of the Jedi probably aren't even aware of it. Save for, you know, like mm-hmm. a few Jedi Knights or something like that, that might know. Um, and maybe some of like, some of the higher up people on Naboo who are like, who is that guy? that that the Jedi attacked because like Darth Maul's just standing there. There's nothing to connect him to the Sith when everybody else is in the room. Cause everybody else books it. And then Darth Maul turns the lightsaber on. Right. So like, right. Like nobody would know who he was, but uh, except for Obi-Wan. So that's what he's going for there. But it's not, it really wasn't clear in the clip. It just seemed like, Obi-Wan was either either Obi-Wan didn't remember him or Obi-Wan was messing with him or something like that yeah. like trying to kill him. I thought he was. And I, it, it was yeah. more so that he was just trying. So that clip and that moment in the episode to me felt really really bad. Um the concept that they that well I guess we'll get to it, you know. So I Yeah. Let's uh let's jump from here. I the savage lands on Dathomir and it, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that kind of plays into a joke uh, in the episode. Uh, Savage lands on Dathomir. Try that one again. Savage lands on Dathomir in his stolen cargo freighter. Unable to convince the raving delusional Maul to leave the ship, he ventures by himself into the misshrouded landscape, which is littered with droids and corpses from the recent battle. Mother Talzin materializes from the mist and explains that the Night Sisters were destroyed by Count Dooku's forces. Uh, so, you know, I, if, if last week wasn't confirmation enough, Mother Talzin is still physically alive. Uh, she didn't yes. pull exactly yes. an Obi-Wan Kenobi. She, uh, she, she just used a little bit of that Sith magic that she's got. That, well, Night Sister magic that she's got. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and escaped certain death. Uh, so... Yeah, she's still alive. Uh, they still haven't re- like not no time has passed 
essentially no, since, no. since uh, you know, the way that I feel about it is that it's entirely possible that brothers was happening maybe even in tandem with right with um with bounty, bounty because yeah uh, in a in in if you go to the starwars.com page and you look at some of the the uh, it's the trivia slideshow and you read through that there's a part that says that um that Asajj, we're going to talk about in a second, Asajj uh, on Tatooine in Mos Eisley wasn't originally supposed to be there. She was supposed to right. be in another location. So it was supposed to be like sort of the after the the um, the episode of Bounty. So I'm going to choose to believe that when we see her last episode, that's right before Bounty. Okay, and then Bounty takes place, and then she comes back to Tatooine because, I don't know, maybe she left some stuff on Tatooine that she has to collect. Um, she comes back to Tatooine, and then, you know, as we'll see, she she sees the, the Bounty on Savage and then goes after Savage. But that, to me, it, it'll, it, it just sort of, it reconciles a little bit of last week's episode. <laughs> for me yeah and uh and and sort of makes uh makes her her transformation into into this different character uh a little bit more interesting and i mean i'll wait to talk about it in depth until the end of the episode but but the fact that the through line continues through from bounty into this episode with with uh with with the team up that we get uh and then the way that the episode ends, mm-hmm. very interested to see what they're going to do next season with that character. Yeah. But we'll get to that when we get to that. So, uh, if yeah. you want, no, I saw I, uh, you know, I had made some speculations a couple mm-hmm. episodes about where she was going and she might end up here. But uh, you know, like I said, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But this first sort of part of the episode, Maul is. You know, I think it's Savage who says like he is like severely broken, uh, or or at least that's what I wrote down. And uh, he tells Talzin that he's actually he's damaged, and it's almost like Maul's like he's almost schizophrenic. You know what I mean? He's just like he's been so consumed with with the hate and going and, and Obi Wan that he just like his mind is just mush now almost. You know, and that's where we're gonna get to this uh, next thing with with Talzin here. Talzin lures Maul. Out of the ship by transfixing his attention on a glowing magical orb. She leads Maul and a press into the caverns where Savage was transformed into a monster. With a touch of her finger, Talzin sends Maul into a deep sleep. His trash-formed spider legs fall apart. Talzin's magic engulfs Maul, wrapping him in tendrils of luminous green mist. Maul's, ri- uh, Maul's withered body grows more muscled. Battlefield debris is transformed into a new set of mechanical legs. Talzin plucks dark clouds of madness from Maul's damaged mind. Maul rises in in pain before arising, reborn a son of Dathomir. Oh, 
eyes maul. Reborn son of Dathomir. Brother. This is kind of a crazy scene because, uh, you know, it's like, you know, the whole Talzin thing. I mean, she is very, obviously, very, very powerful um, with very, the stuff she's yeah. able to do. Yeah. And, and we kind of like glossed over her. It seemed, or I have, just like, yeah. oh, yeah, she's just another one of those characters. But man, uh, she's really showing the power she has in oh, this magic, magical this, force stuff. This you know? is, you know what, for all of the bad things I had to say about last week, I. Uh, this moment makes up for it when when she like you can kind of see when 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 savage steps off of the 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 thing and walks past the the mayhem right of of dathomir and and uh Dooku's assault uh and general right. grievous's assault more specifically on dathomir um i it started to click for me i was like so that's where the pieces are going to come from to build Darth Maul's new legs. And I thought we were going to get like, uh, you know, she's going to do something to sort of restore him a little bit, but then they're going to have to build these legs for him. Right. Like that's it. They're going to use all these spare parts and, and put something mm -hmm. together, but it would be like a cutaway and then cut back to like his reveal. But then to get this moment where he like rises up, and and all of these pieces just start flying around and the, the the wiry tendrils grow out from his his midsection, right? And she like the the droid pieces attach and I was like, huh, that's interesting because like from what I've seen, those legs don't really look like the droid pieces that are being assembled right now. I don't understand. Like there's there's, are they just mm -hmm. gonna like cheat it and be like, yeah, I took all these pieces and then it looks like this, and then they like turn to molten metal and just sort of drip away to reveal these legs, and I was like, that is one of the coolest <laughs> yeah. things they've done on this show, like that moment of just like the yeah. the molten metal dripping away to reveal these really monstrous, like even more more creepy looking than than general grievous's likes like so very similar construction but right but just like so much more menacing right and like that it's got like that black uh forged iron sort of look to it uh like like a cast iron sort of a, a coloring to it and uh it really sold the whole thing for me it took me from how i felt last week about this to how I now feel about Darth Maul being back. And, like, mm -hmm. his moment, uh, uh, you know, in a second when, when he sort of recovers and, 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 he's, and he's back to being uh, complete, it was just, like, it was great. It was fantastic. It, 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 yeah. I think it, it actually managed to exceed my expectations. And I'm not saying the expectations that were set by last week's terrible episode – but the initial expectations of they're bringing Darth Maul back. I was like, huh, right, I'm curious right. to see how they'll do this. You know, like we're talking about the same team that created Cad Bane and has, you know, uh, 
sort of like I like I said earlier in this episode, just like rewritten Anakin as a character to the point where where he's just he's such a great character now. Like this is the same team, right? So we'll wait and see right. what they can do with Darth Maul. And that was my original expectation was like high hopes. I wanted it to be good. And I think that's probably why last week was so disappointing. It was because it was like we got to that and it's the continuation of the the Night Sister trilogy from last season which was such a great story, so well put together. But then we got last week and it was like this is just such a disjointed waste of time. Just get to the good stuff already. Uh, and, but it made me feel like there wasn't going to be good stuff. You know what I mean? Like it made me feel like like I was maybe expecting too much, right? So then to yeah. sort of have it have it go back to what I was hoping it was going to be and then to go even further this week was a, was a very nice surprise. Oh, yeah. I, I felt the same way. I mean, everything that I missed or that I, I didn't get last week is what I got here, and, and we'll get to that too. And, and what about this? She's like pulling stuff. Like from his head, yeah. I, you know what was that? You know, was that bad? Was that <laughs> bad juju? I have no bad juju. I have no idea, but it was like, yeah. yeah. And then his horns got shorter. I don't know if you noticed yeah. that. Uh, so it's just a total, total transformation. Yeah, but, she, uh, well, she she restored him, right? Yeah. Like very different from what she does to to Savage, where like they take mm-hmm. Savage and they enhance him, right? I. I mean, I guess that in a, in a certain way they enhance Maul because he was just so broken as of last episode, just such a shell of 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 his former self that that you know to, to enhance him is to bring him back to where he was before. But um, right. yeah, like just sort of take him back to to the way he's supposed to be. Uh, yeah. I feel like they need to do something with with Savage now, though, and the way that he looks because he's either they both have to have the crazy horns or like neither of them have the crazy horns. And <laughs> Savage has that one horn missing, and it yeah, just it bugs yeah. me yeah. so much. It just just from a visual <laughs> standpoint, I don't, I think I feel like Savage needed a new costume to go along with with Maul and his new look. That like they kind of needed to be like I, I don't know I I felt like the Savage from the first half of the Night Sister trilogy was cooler than the Savage from the second half, um, you know when he's like all in the in the black gear and everything like I like him when he's got like Maul does now like that exposed top half and he's he, oh, yeah. you know they, yeah. it's just it, there's something so visually striking about those tattoos and the way that that looks that I don't know why you would cover him up like that. You know what I mean? Uh, and if you were going mm-hmm. to, I, I don't know, just switch it up a little bit, right? And I understand that they, you know, I'm sure that it took a lot of resources to rebuild Darth Maul <laughs> uh, in CG. So, um, oh, yeah, yeah. So, sure, the small. Yeah, I'm sure that it. they were really focused on that. <laughs> but, uh, but maybe, hope, uh, I'm going to say next season, let's get a new, a new model for Savage that where the two of them sort of are a little bit more in sync. Where the, where the two of them kind of look look like a team, right? Because right now they mm-hmm. they look very different. I don't know, but but we'll see how it's going to go. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, Maul recovers his wits. He remembers wallowing in darkness and madness for a long time. He feels the imbalance in the Force. He learns from Savage that the Clone Wars have begun. 
Savage returns Maul's broken lightsaber to him. With burning hatred, Maul remembers Obi-Wan Kenobi, and he longs for revenge. My hatred kept my spirit intact, even though my body was not. Yet I was lost and became a rabid animal. And such is how you found me, brother discarded, forgotten. I have missed so much. The Force feels out of balance. Yes, there is conflict. The Clone Wars. Oh, yes. So it began without me. You can begin again, brother. And this is one of my one of my favorite scenes of this particular episode. I mean, you just get like you said, Mike. Maul is back now. He's got his wits about him, like it says. But I mean, he talks about his hatred that everybody's gonna know. Everybody's gonna ask, well, why did he? How did he survive yeah. getting cut in half? Come on. Well, here it is. He just tells you right here his hatred for Obi Wan Kenobi, his hatred of the Jedi, that uh, kind of kept his spirit intact, even though his body was messed up. You know. Uh, he was lost and he became a rabid animal, he says. Um, and I love the fact, that here's, the, here's the best part of this, that, and you heard that in the clip here. Savage is in, in Maul, he, he knows, he goes, man, there's something out of balance with the Force. And he goes, yeah, the Clone Wars started. And, and Maul's going, yeah, I was yeah. supposed to be involved with that. You know? He, you know, there's the ties to Episode One, the ties to the Emperor, ties yeah. to Sidious, you know? And that's the kind of well, the, the storytelling that, that it is so all cool falls for me. apart. The whole plan falls apart when Padme says, "Hey, it's so funny because everybody wants to, you know, rag on Jar Jar Binks all the time, every time, but Jar Jar mm-hmm. is the reason why plans go awry for for Darth Sidious because Jar Jar is the one who he he was not supposed to be involved." Right, like Jar Jar, right. it was not supposed to show the Jedi how to get the Queen, you know, how, how to get how to get through the planet core, or even where Odagunga was. Right, they land up clear on the other side of the planet. They wouldn't have had time to travel to the other side of the planet any other way. Like that was that that, that it was it was the will of the Force, you know, that that Jar Jar be the one to show them the way and guide them there, uh, save. Save Padme, get her to Coruscant, uh, and then, you know, they, they, they have the whole no confidence thing. But then Jar Jar is the one to walk in and say to Padme, you know, like, so your people are dying. You're not going to do anything about it. You're just going to stay here because the Gungans would fight back. Mm-hmm. That's what the Gungans would do. I don't know about you. But, yeah. you know, and as we saw at the beginning of this season, like the Gungans are, are, are pretty oh, hardcore, yeah. right? So like he's not joking. Oh, right? yeah. The Gungans yeah. would fight back. They, 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 they won't sit it out, you know, and when they get back to, to, to Naboo, the Gungans do fight, you know, like they put together a wicked army and, and hold their own against the battle droids for a while before, you know. That they're like, they're, it's an overwhelming force, so they can only do so much. But 
but still like it's it's that like that's where everything falls apart for Darth Sidious. It's like, you know, Jar Jar throws a wrench in it, gets Padme <laughs> to go back, yeah. and then they they have this assault and now Sidious is like, Well, I gotta send Darth Maul now in order to deal with, with this stuff and he sends Darth Maul and that's Darth Maul's undoing, right? Like that's the moment where it's like, mm-hmm. well now now he's in a in a place where he can be attacked, right? So mm-hmm. uh, it's yeah. very interesting when he wakes up essentially and is like, "Oh, so the Clone Wars happened?" Because if you remember, the Clone Wars were set in motion ten years before, right? During the events of Episode One, all of the stuff is happening right. with. Uh, with uh oh what's it what's the Sifo-Dyas, right the jedi master Sifo-Dyas mm-hmm. from the jedi right. council where they set up the clones and i don't know that story as well as other people do but uh but that's kind of that's the beginning of setting up the clone wars that and of course uh palpatine coming into power with the with the no confidence vote right um so yeah, I I I think that that's great to connect that to the character and say, yeah, you know, like I was supposed right. to be part of this. Duke wasn't supposed to be part of the yeah. plan, you know. <laughs> no, yeah, he says it. He says in, the, in this episode, you heard it right there. It it, it began at uh, it began without me. So yeah, obviously he was going to have some uh, some sort of big part in. You know, and going yeah. after the Je- obviously I, going after the Jedi I and the Clone War and everything. So, point we get some sort of a conversation between Sidious. I know, where, yeah. Where Sidious yeah. is just like you were expendable, and look at you now. You're not even, <laughs> you know, you're not half the yeah. man you used to be. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I, I'll mention that at the very end of the episode. But uh, yeah, and, and and he has his uh, his old lightsaber. I don't know where the heck that came from, but uh, yes, Savage has it. And he gives it to him. But and, again, and the last thing I'll say is uh, no wait Sam sorry Whitworth. the lightsaber it, was in the it was in his junk thing like he had it Darth Maul had it on the junk he did body, okay I'm fairly certain he did yeah I mean he fell yeah. down the pit with it but um, okay yeah and I'll just say that Sam Whitworth um, again fantastic and it almost like was I hearing like an English accent yeah. that he put on Tamal so he's like really bringing the character around to what we the brief yeah, time we heard him in episode one so I just lines, appreciate right? it and, and uh, it's who yeah. is Sarah Finowitz what's his name what's the first name right yeah, yeah that, that does the, the yeah. voice in, in episode one uh, I think that he he was doing his best to do an approximation, much like the other actors on the Clone yeah. Wars. It's not an exact imitation, right. you know, with the exception of maybe Obi Wan, who is just like it's spot on every episode. So, mm. you know, um, right? Yeah, I just have to mention that. Yeah, fantastic, yeah. Um, just perfect stuff. So, uh, Maul and Savage pilot their way to the nearby world of Raidonia. Far from the center of the Clone Wars, Maul knows that the only way to attract the attention of the Jedi is to commit an act of true villainy, the slaughter of the innocent. And of course, Maul, he's not going to go in to the Jedi yeah. temple and go after 
he's not you know he's he's got his wits about him he's back to normal he's he's actually as we'll find out in the later on in this episode he is really he's really the thinker yeah. of these two you get the brute and savage mall although he is deadly yeah he is smart and uh he's kind of showing that here and in, in what better way to lure out the jedi than to go after and slaughter other people so uh yeah. go ahead uh, at the jedi temple the members of the council look upon a holographic transmission from maul who demands that Obi-Wan Kenobi face him alone or more innocents from Radonia will die. Mace fears it is a trap, but Obi-Wan is determined to confront Maul. Yoda surprisingly agrees with Kenobi, sensing that he will be aided along the way by an unexpected ally. In, his, in Yoda's own words, actually, they, they need to trust the Force. Right? They, they need to... Yes, uh, which I does was that. great because... Yoda, who oftentimes can sense these sort of the, the the waxing and waning of the Force, you know, when he senses that Anakin's in trouble and he senses uh, a lot of different things throughout all, uh, you know, the five, yeah, five movies that he's in. Um, mm-hmm. You have to imagine that he sensed the moment when, when Asajj Ventress sort of makes that that little bit of a turn back towards the light right uh when she starts Mm -hmm. to and i think think that's what it is is like yoda knows what's going on and he sees maybe an opportunity here right and he's like no if if anybody will survive this it'll be obi-wan and he won't be alone like the force is going to be with him and and it's sending help so you know this is the way it's supposed to happen I think is what Yoda's saying there. And and uh, it, it's always interesting to me when Yoda does that over the other Jedi because they all, you know, want to be arrogant and self-assured and all that sort of thing, particularly Mace, who wants to be like, yeah, he wasn't you know, feeling no, it. you know, yeah. I know what's going on. I know what's, what's happening here. And then Yoda's like, no, you're wrong. You're just flat out wrong. Like, Obi-Wan needs to go do this. And nobody argues with it, right? Everybody's like, yeah, okay, Yoda said it. So, you know, he's the grandmaster yeah, yeah. of the Jedi for a reason, right? Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, there's also the, yeah. the great moment in the hologram where Maul is like, you know, you got, Obi-Wan faces me alone or more innocents will die. And, and he just sort of flicks the lightsaber. Yeah, he slices. And you just see the, the, the line of, of men standing behind him all just fall. And you know exactly what he's right. done, right? Like, yeah, he's uh, oh, yeah. he's not to be trifled with. Yeah, he's not playing around. Very, very no. interesting. Yeah. This is sort of uh, this is what happens when you unleash a Sith, right? Like we saw last season with Savage, we didn't really get to see anything with Savage. That was the thing. We saw him get out of the ship and beat some dudes up, and that was it, right? Like we didn't really get to see him do a ton of damage but with this one it's like no we get to see maul do some serious damage in that moment so oh yeah yeah i like what you said about mace too i mean he, he definitely adamant about not you know he's he wants to send help he wants to send a, a group a, a jedi force but yoda's like like you said no no well, it's yeah. all good i got this yeah. i felt some mace <laughs> like like a lot of the jedi yeah. i think his falling into the trap of the dark side where, you know, Sidious is clouding everything, right? The the more powerful the dark side becomes, the more difficult it is to see, and the more, the more diminished their right. powers become. 
And I think Yoda fights against it. He rallies against it, right? But with Mace, it's like that fear leads way to something, right? And and it gets in because Mace's reactions a lot of the time I find are out of fear. It's you know, his reactions to Anakin are are out of they're out of a fear that Anakin will be, you know, he's dangerous. Yeah. So anytime that you're like Anakin's dangerous, I don't I don't want to do this. That's because you're afraid of the power that he wields, right? So to have it's interesting cuz the more he gives into that fear, I like it says right here in this description, Mace fears it is a trap, right? But what what do the the good Jedi do when they fear so- or when something may be a trap? You know, we can quote Obi Wan in Episode Three, "Spring the trap," right? Like that's that's Obi Wan's mentality, yeah. and I think that's it's similar with Yoda. It's like it doesn't matter that it's a trap. It doesn't matter that it's overwhelming odds. It doesn't matter that you know, like if if it's the will of the Force. You follow it. Even, this is the thing, even if it means that you're going to get struck down, right? And Obi-Wan understands that, as we see in episode four. It's like he'll go into a situation knowing full well, you know, this could this could be the enemy or this will be the enemy. So does Qui-Gon, right? There's there's the line in episode one where, where I... Anakin says to him, oh, nobody can kill a Jedi. And Qui-Gon goes, I wish that wasn't so. And you can kind of tell he knows what's coming. He senses it, right? Like, Mm -hmm. he he can sort of, he can tell, especially because he's in tune with the living force, right? That, you know, he's probably... You can almost sense his own demise. He may not have Mm -hmm. long left, you know? Like, this this might be the last Mm -hmm. mission sort of thing. Uh, So... Yeah, it, it, it's yeah. It, it's interesting when all that happens. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like uh, Mace. Sometimes it seems like he might even be jealous of, like you talking well, about Anakin. Fear, fear uh, leads to anger. Anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. Right. So, the fear yeah. of Anakin's yeah. power leads to anger at Anakin's actions, which leads to hatred towards Anakin, which is eventually the thing that undoes him. Right? Because mm-hmm. if he had trusted yeah. Anakin, Sidious wouldn't have been able to get inside Anakin's head. Right? So it's like, right. it's, you can gripe and you can complain and you can say the prequels aren't good movies and that it's terrible storytelling and wooden dialogue, but connect those dots that I just connected. And like, who, you can't argue with that. That's irrefutable. Yeah, That's you gotta break it down. Evidence that yeah. George Lucas knew exactly what he was writing, and maybe a lot of it didn't mm. make it on screen. And as movies, they didn't hit where they were supposed to hit. But as a series and as a story, all of the parallels are there. And let's you know, I felt a certain way about it, and then I listened to Kyle Newman talk about it, and like that dude is a Jedi master when it comes to storytelling, and he knows what's up with these movies and, and sort of open my eyes. It's like, it's like when you, you know, you like, they refer to it as like opening your third eye and then you can sort of see, uh, you know, auras and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Kyle Newman does mm-hmm. that when it comes to the prequels. He like it, everybody who was yeah. in that room at celebration five that heard him talk about the prequels 
they all have a completely different perspective from the the rest of this planet. Anybody who's ever heard him talk about the prequels will will be like, no, those are deep movies. You just have to look. It's not surface like yeah, four, five, exactly. and six are. Four, five, and six are very like it's surface. You see what's going on, and and George Lucas was very clear with what he was trying to get across. But with the prequels. There is so much going on, and I think the story is so deep and complex that it's hard to get across on the screen. And that's why The Clone Wars is awesome. Because The Clone Wars is where we get to sit down and we get to break this stuff down point by point. And so, you know what? Bring back Darth Maul, because otherwise we wouldn't have this conversation, right? So, (laughs) yeah, definitely. You have to to kind of dig a little deeper. It's not simple. It's not simple. That's what makes Star right. Wars so great. So uh, let's let's yeah. keep going. Let's go. In the Mos Eisley Cantina on Tatooine, a group of bounty hunters looks over information on the new potential targets. When the name Savage of Press comes up with one million credit bounty attached, Asajj Ventress steps forward, pushes the other hunters aside, and takes the assignment. That's kind of funny looking in the Mos Eisley Cantina, and that's how they... You know, it's like, hey, let's see what's uh, let's see what we can go get today. You know, it's on the board over there. Let's check it out. I don't want that one. Yeah. That's too easy. You know, uh, interesting little way to do that. I watch it. I just want to note if you go to uh, StarWars.com and and you go to this episode and uh, and check out the trivia, like I was saying before, there's actually translations of all of the characters' names as well as the bounties and the reason yeah. why they have a bounty on their heads, uh, and. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting because you get that a little bit of that extra flavor, which is like, ah, no, not that one, not that one, not that. Ooh, that one looks like a good one, right? Yeah. Hey, I'll take uh, that one. But yeah, 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 really, really cool moment because she's sort of like, oh, I'm gonna collect on this one. Um, yeah. So you know what? This is the reason why they had the clip from last week, and as a as a four part yeah, story, obviously, yeah. You know, maybe sometime I will take these four episodes and I'll cut them together into something that works a little bit better because I think that if you told some of these parts of the story simultaneously, that it would work a little better. So like if you had the moment where at some point during the first episode of this four episode arc, even though it's not really, it's two, two episode arcs that are connected. If some point during that you broke it up with the scene where Anakin and Ahsoka come across Savage, and then you're like, okay, so later, this this is gonna mean something, right? Like, like you know, we're setting this up. Uh, Asajj Ventress is still on Dathomir dealing with Dooku and everything, but here we're gonna cut away to this story, and then you know, and then eventually you you finish that story, and then you go into Bounty, and you during Bounty, you're cutting between Bounty and and uh, brothers. And then you come to a close with those two storylines uh, and you go into revenge. And uh, I, I think that maybe as a whole, the story would work a lot better. So maybe at some point I'll do a fan yeah. edit and I'll put that out there for you. To... Hey, come on. <laughs> settle down. See, this is the thing, though. <laughs> I won't take anything away. I'll only try and enhance. I know, right? I'm, I'm not going to cut anything yeah. out. I'm only going to add into it. And maybe I'll even take some other stuff from some other episodes and add some stuff in. Maybe give uh, Ahsoka and Anakin a reason why they're on that planet. Something like that. I don't know. Mm. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, that's going back and you got, okay, now yeah. I know why they put that 
particular scene in because now yeah. he's got the bounty on him. For, because the for bounty specifically yeah. says on it that the reason why there's a bounty on his head is for fleeing, uh, yeah, fleeing arrest or something like that. Fle- fleeing the scene of a crime. Mm. I think that's what it is. It's there like fleeing, like leaving the yeah. scene of a crime is why he has a 550,000 credit bounty on him. Not a million ba- credit bounty, as, as they say in the episode. Right. But that's what the actual Arabesh says. It's a 550,000 mm. credit bounty. Right. There we go. Um, let's see where we at here. Obi-Wan arrives on Raydonia, finding the settlement in ruins. From atop a smoldering building, Darth Maul calls out to the Jedi, and Obi-Wan ignites his lightsaber. Savage leaps from the shadows to overwhelm Kenobi. Obi-Wan is taken by surprise and knocked unconscious by the massive warrior. And this is probably one of the most striking images that came out of this episode was... Um, that shot of Maul kind of up on top yes. of that ridge or whatever with the burning in the background. It's like, wow, that is that, an, an image right there. That, that is flame serious and smoke was animation. impressive. That was some really, really impressive animation. Uh, yeah, they really outdid themselves with that. Because it's at once, like, Spectacular yeah, it's, visual, it's yeah. so vivid that you want it. Like, you're like, is that real? I can't, you know, like, you, you have a hard time. Your brain's going like, that's so close to real, but it can't be. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's not real. It can't be. But it looks so good, and it just fits with the style so well. And and just it is, it's iconic. It's it's as iconic as the first time that Obi Wan encounters Maul. You know, and he's just sort of in that hallway, and he just lights up that double bladed lightsaber. It's it's just the same. You know, it's a, it's a similar moment. So really, really great. Yeah. Wow. What a yeah. Yeah, spectacular. And the, and the moment where Obi Wan, where Maul sort of pushes him, and and uh, Savage just clotheslines him and just eats him out. Oh, I yeah. was like, that's yeah. pretty impressive. That's like, yeah, yeah, WWF movie right there. <laughs> oh man, Vince uh, arrives on Radonia <laughs> just as Maul and Savage drag the unconscious Obi Wan onto their ship. The bulky freighter's engines fire up and Asajj sneaks aboard the vessel just before it leaves the planet. Obi-Wan wakes up in the cargo hold of the freighter. Maul has been looking forward to killing Kenobi for years, so he, extend, so he intends to exact his vengeance slowly and painfully. Still as weak as ever. You know, when I cut you in half, I should have aimed for your neck instead. His moment of triumph is unexpectedly cut short by the cackles of Asajj Ventress, who lurks in the shadows of the hold. Savage realizes it's his former master. Maul orders her destroyed, and the brothers give chase. And you heard that clip, Mike. And, and here through all this, Obi-Wan is, again, in this season, he's getting his butt yeah. kicked all over the place. And he still has that sense of humor that that we've come to know from, from Obi-Wan. And, you know, just the corpse. And, you know, it's just... And, and we'll, see, we'll hear that again. And it just... For all the stuff that's going on, yeah. all the tenseness, to have that in there as well, just some great stuff going on there. Um, great writing. And, and, you know, that's, that's Obi-Wan. That's what we've come yes. to know as Obi-Wan. So... Uh, and then we get Asajj 
back in the shadows and uh she's she's coming in and she sees both these guys and she's a little like yeah. whoa whoa who's <laughs> who else we got here so uh uh it's gonna get really it's gonna kick off here in a second uh your turn Mike, uh, Asajj slips past them to shake Kenobi awake Obi-Wan is surprised to find that Ventress of all people has come to rescue him since Kenobi's lightsaber is in Maul's possession Asajj lends him one of her own weapons Maul and Savage return to the hold, and Kenobi and Ventress stand back to back, ready to battle the Dark Warriors. Kenobi, don't tell me someone's finally knocked the fight out of you. Wake up! Ventress? It looks like I'm here to rescue you. When did you become the good guy? Don't insult me. Oh, what a lovely sight to wake up to. Don't flatter yourself, Kenobi. You've never been much to look at, especially now. The witch and the Jedi. Here for our taking. I want that back. That's fine. Red's not my color. Ready? Like you even had to ask. Was that fantastic or what, Mike? Come that on. Excellent. You know, it's just that that <laughs> perfect line of yeah. red's not my color. Red's not my color, yeah. And th- do these two have like a, a chemistry that you know d- just yeah. do voice acting? Oh, the chemistry it's fantastic. There. I you know, you know, I I didn't quite get it in, in the Clone Wars movie, uh, the the sort of back and forth between them, because I think that a lot of that actually comes from the expanded universe uh, and uh, mm. the some of the comic books and novels and that sort of thing, that there's a little bit of a thing between Obi-Wan and Ventress, just a little bit of a back and forth uh, banter. Um, and I didn't quite get yeah. it before, but... Over the over the last four seasons, you know, the couple of times that they've crossed paths, it it's just it's sort of been strengthened for me. I think I understand where everybody else is on that now, and uh, yeah, I definitely I definitely enjoyed it in this episode. This is sort of the realization of those two characters uh, and their 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 intertwined stories coming together, uh, and that that mm-hmm. that charisma between the two of them really like starting to pay off. Um, and like I said, you know, the way this episode ends, looking forward to big things next season. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, the four combatants engage in a fierce lightsaber duel with Maul attacking Obi-Wan and Savage engaging Ventress. When oppressed disarms Asajj, Obi-Wan reclaims his own lightsaber from Maul and returns Ventress's second weapon to her just in time for her to save herself from a powerful blow from Savage. Maul taunts Kenobi by recounting the tale of how he killed Qui-Gon Jinn. Obi-Wan unleashes a flurry of attacks at Maul, but his anger causes him to lose focus, and Maul is able to knock him off balance. Your master, Qui-Gon Jinn, I gutted him while you stood helpless and watched. How did that make you feel, Obi-Wan? Your rage has unbalanced you. That is not the Jedi way, is it? 
were outmatched. You want to run? I learned from watching you. Funny. The cockpit? <laughs> no! And before we get to the cockpit scene, I'll tell you what. A, a fantastic fight. Four red sabers going crazy yes. in the scene. And, and here's a couple of things that I wanted to point out, too. Um, first of all, this is what I wanted to see in episode one. I mean, I got to see the lightsaber sub, which, which was awesome in episode one. But what I missed was yeah. the banter, the taunting, the psychological stuff going on here with Maul and Obi-Wan. It was fantastic. Uh, Obi-Wan, he does this roll on his back to take back his lightsaber. I mean, just some cool animation. Uh, Maul's lightsaber, I think his, his form is uh, Form 7, obviously, but I think he's some, something like Juyo or something like that, if I remember right, that we saw in Episode 1 where he's doing the butterfly flips and, and a lot of the uh, mm -hmm. aerial stuff. You know what I mean? You actually saw that in this episode. There's one point with his... He does this little butterfly flip sort of thing like we saw in Episode 1. So I'd love to see that they brought that back to his fighting style. Um, you know, like I said, just that coupled with Obi-Wan and, and a physical taunting, uh, you know, Maul says your, your rage has unbalanced you. And I think he remembers that from, yeah. from the first fight. It's like, you know, Maul, Kenobi was using his anger and that's how yes. he defeated Maul. And, uh, so just all that stuff going on, the physical taunt and the, the, the mental stuff going on and the overmatched and everything. What'd you think, Mike? I mean, just... This is what I was looking forward to right here. You know, this is what, this is what I'm telling. This is yeah. the Clone Wars for me. Yeah, I mean, think? it was it was awesome. This was one of the best fight sequences that they've ever done, uh, and just so much going on, so much story being told uh, through the fight. Uh, you know, uh, just different emotions and different connections between characters. Uh, I think the one right. place where Asajj and Obi Wan seem to get a little bit of an upper hand is that they're working together whereas Maul and Savage mm. are a little bit working they're working uh, at the same time but not necessarily as a pair right I think if the two of them mm. were focused uh, and and worked as a as a duo that it would be really difficult to get past them right but uh, the fact that they're right. kind of each doing their own thing, and I feel like Savage isn't quite in in sync with with Maul's motivations, doesn't quite understand what's going on yet. So I think that that's where a lot True. of that lies True. is that is that Savage is just like he's kind of along for the ride, doesn't really know the history of what's going on here. He's got his own motivations, obviously, but it's kind of like. The fact that Asajj is there, I think, throws him off balance, right? Because mm -hmm. now it's like, oh, well, you know, his brother's supposed to be getting his revenge, but this is his opportunity to get his revenge. So I think the both of them, because they're so, uh, so, so uh, just grounded in the dark side at the moment, they, they, they're just like the selfishness which is always the downfall of the mm -hmm. Sith, right? Is that they they work at odds with one another as opposed to working together. Uh, and uh, and I think that that's the only reason why uh, Obi-Wan and Asajj are, are able to escape from this. Right. No, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. And 
Well, let's, I'll, I'll, yeah. here, let's, let's do this part. Kenobi and Ventress are overwhelmed by the raw power of their foes. They flee to the cockpit of the freighter and seal the airlock. Maul and Savage try to cut through the door, but Obi-Wan is able to detach the cockpit from the rest of the ship, and he and Asajj fly away. And I think you're right, though, about... That's a good point, and, and I didn't even think about it until you said that about Savage. And, you know, he doesn't know anything about the Clone Wars. He doesn't know what happened to with Maul. And like you said, he's just along for the ride. It's like, hey, that's that's the guy who yeah. did that to you? Okay, you know, like I said, he's the, he's the, the, the brute in this little t duo here. He's just doing whatever Maul says. Um, but And then we get this scene with um, in the airlock. And did you see the part where uh, Obi-Wan actually uses the Force to help Asajj kind of finish out her, her flips and all that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he, that. That he was gives a, her a little nice boost to, to flip over them. Boost, which yeah. I, that, that's what I'm talking about, right? Like uh, Asajj and Obi-Wan are working together. Right. It's like, okay, we have a plan. We're going to get into the cockpit and we're going to ditch these guys because we can't defeat them. They're stronger than us. So we have to be smarter than them. Like they, they're like, they really quickly get that dialogue across in a way that like, because Maul and Savage are just so like, we will kill you. They, they don't even, they're not even cluing in that. Like that, that these two characters who should be at odds with each other, they fought each other for so long that they know they yeah. know each other's moves, and and uh, and they're able to to outwit uh, Maul and Savage in that moment. Just it, all it, all it takes right. is a second for them to uh, to get the drop right, and uh, and only because, like I said, they work as a team. Yeah, definitely, good point. Um, yeah. I'll finish it up here. I guess uh, the Sith brothers are left behind, but Maul is not finished. After waiting so long for revenge, he is fine with waiting a little longer, and he has bigger plans in the works. Savage warns that the Jedi will be hunting them now, and Maul replies that he is counting on it. What now, brother? Do we go after them? No. We will be patient, Savage. I've waited so many years for my revenge. I can wait a little longer. But the Jedi will know that you have survived. They will be coming for us. I am counting on it. And that, my friends, is how you end a yes. season of The Clone Wars. I'll tell you what, how many things are going on here uh, we'll talk about that. Maul seems to be, like I said earlier, he's smarter. Uh, he's more in control now. And uh, Savage, like I said earlier, he's the dumb brood. He doesn't know what he ate. Hey, he's just, like I said, like you said, Mike, he's just there along for the ride helping out Maul. But, yeah, but again, I mean, there's that's how you, like I said, that's how you do a season finale because now I can't wait to see what's going on. You got two there. You got Maul back. You got Savage together. You got a team of Obi-Wan, you got Ventress together, the two that, you know, had this pretty fierce rivalry. It was, it was almost, I don't know if it was fierce, but it was like a, almost like a friendly rivalry, yeah. rivalry, but they're together now. Uh, you could also throw in like, how does Maul fit into the, yeah. the Sith now? I mean, is he going to go and look and reach out to Sidious now? I mean, you got all these things now that can come. So, 
bravo way to finish out a clone wars i can't wait for next yeah season. it was fantastic think? uh for all of the misgivings that i think we had last week they uh they really they stepped it up they brought their a game this week and and uh recovered let's say from uh from from what was i yes. still i like i'm not i'm not adding anything to next week uh ever till last week sorry uh, it is still right. one of the worst episodes, if not the worst episode of the series, because it's just it is so pointless <laughs> as a story on its own. Um, now that we have the mm-hmm. whole story, all four episodes of, of this uh, and, and, you know, Asajj connecting it and everything, um, some things make a little bit more sense. I. Uh, Again, it's still like execution kind of get, gets a little bit of an F from me uh, when it comes to last week. But but they made up for it mm-hmm. with this week and uh, and with how good this yeah. week ended up being. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm very interested to see where this is going to go in uh, in the next season or two or three or however long this lasts mm-hmm. um because we now like now that these guys are together and maul is back there really isn't uh i don't know there there's no limit to the to the stories that they can tell with the two of them so <laughs> i know exactly and and yeah, i mean yeah. oh just on the on the heels of this of, of bounty and everything that's happened with asajj ventress to now put her in this scenario where, like I said, at the end of the episode, her and Obi-Wan flying off together as a team. Yeah. As a duo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where's she going to be yeah. next season? Right? Like, this yeah. is what a season finale needs to do. Only one other season finale has done a similar job because last year's did not do this. Last year's was self-contained and was just kind of like, eh, whatever, Chewbacca. That hasn't had any repercussions on the Clone Wars. It hasn't changed the game, right? Right. Uh, season season two, a little bit of the same vibe of like, well, you know, uh, uh, what's happened now? Because Boba Fett has been captured and, and all that sort of thing. Uh, and that's had repercussions this season for sure with, with Boba coming back and, and all that. Um and, and with the prison episode and everything, sort of putting those pieces in place for storylines that, that were executed this year. Um, but only season one's finale has had as strong of a cliffhanger as this one when, when Cad Bane right. busts Zero the Hut out of, uh, out of galactic prison. Uh, right. and, uh, and, yeah. and you're kind of like, who is this guy? And how is this going to change the story from here on out, right? Like this, this Cad Bane guy is kind of a, of a hardcore dude. And, uh, and obviously he's had a lot of effect on, uh, on the clone wars. So mm-hmm. it's that same sort of vibe for me. And, uh, and that's really cool. I like, I, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm so curious where this is going to go, uh, and how this is going to play out yeah. over the course of, the next little bit, so. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a wait. Yeah, we well, now, now it'll be it'll be theoretically October uh, before we get mm-hmm. 
a new episode. Now that doesn't mean that it'll be October before we hear anything because we happen to have a very big party, uh, towards the end of August where I'm sure we're going to get loads and loads of info on season, season five. Can you believe that we're going into a fifth season? Like that brings season four to a close. And that means, yes, it is. Holy smokes. That's crazy. Season crazy. five, yeah. Looking forward to that. And this is like, yes. hey, they did it right this time. Like you said, they got us pumped up for season five, and I'm sure we'll get something either in July at uh, one uh, Comic Con, or I'm sure they're going to save it for I think so. Celebration I think that's six. That's where it's so. going to be. I, although yeah. you know, Celebration Five, we got a lot at at uh, uh, San Diego Comic Con as well. So yeah. So we mm. shall see. Yeah. We shall see. We shall see. Let's uh, head on over to the mailbag. Wait a minute. Play back the entire message. Where are those transmissions you intercepted? He is carrying a message from an Obi-Wan Kenobi. I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message. I saw part of the message. He w- I seem to have found it. All right, Mike, you want to take this, uh, yeah, sure. this mail? Uh, so here we go. Oh, hey, okay. Frontline Toast. I thought I'd email in about the Clone Wars Season 4 finale and where I think the series is going. It's amazing the contrast between Brothers and Revenge. I thought that Brothers was a horrible episode full of boring, slow, pointless scenes and dialogue. But Revenge wasted no time and was full of awesome action. I also love that the Clone Wars logo is red at the beginning for Darth Maul rather than the usual yellow. The main reason I emailed in was because I had a prediction. It's been confirmed that the Mandalorians and Bo-Katan will have a big arc in Season 5. I think that will be the big connection to Attack of the Clones for the 3D re-release. Jango Fett's armor is so iconic. Anyway, I loved the final episode, but was disappointed that there was no Season 5 trailer. What are your predictions for Season 5? Thanks for the great shows. And that, that comes to us from Jared Sly, who is a big contributor over on the Facebook group and the, and the uh, page. And uh, thank you for writing in that email. And, you know, I think he's absolutely right. I think that that is the connection for uh, episode two is going to be the, the the Mandalorian stuff. Uh, that's a, a very insightful. Yeah. Because, you know, the action figures we're seeing uh, Yoda on the packaging. But uh, we've had Yoda storylines. Mm-hmm. So what's the way to shake it up and get our attention and make us think about episode two? Well, Jango Fett that connection to Django Fett. And what do you want to bet? Uh, I'm going to jump, we'll take a springboard off of Jared's prediction here. Bo-Katan will have some sort of a connection to Django Fett. Yeah, that's a, that's a good, that's a good catch right there. I was going to go a different way and say, uh, I was going to go out on a limb and say, we might see Boba Fett in some iconic armor as well. Um, that might be, because if, be. if we're going to get a big Mandalorian arc, and and Dave Filoni has sort of alluded to uh, how Boba's going to get that armor, right? He's sort of he's, he's had a couple of little mentions here and there, mm-hmm. you know, uh, especially with that with Bounty and Boba having armor, but not the armor that we were expecting. Yeah, right. Uh, right so right. It, it, yeah, very interesting to see what's going to happen. And he's right, no preview. For season five yet? No, uh, nothing. No, no word on what that's going to hold. So, 
Nada. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So if if since we have no trailer, uh, predictions are. I mean, obviously they're going to be focusing on some of the mall stuff, uh, some of the Asajj stuff, and then we yeah. already heard about the the uh, Mandalorian. So uh, other than that, it's it's up in the air. But I'm just excited that we're going to get uh, Darth Maul, which is like the biggest thing to come from Star Wars in a long yes. long time. So yeah. Well, you know what? If if you sort of take the last. Uh, season as a as a hint at the direction of next season um we had a lot of three and four part arcs mm-hmm. this this time around which means that they're really like when you think about it there weren't that many storylines there were a lot of different things that happened a lot of different plot points uh because those storylines were fairly long but you look at darkness uh sorry the umbara arc starting with darkness on umbara uh and really only one thing was accomplished there, right? Mm. And that's that there was a Jedi who wanted to defect to the Sith. Uh, and other than that, you know, nothing else really happened. We, we got some really cool individual character points for Rex and, uh, and, and uh, uh, is it, which one's the one that's still alive? Fives? Fives? Yeah, he's the arc trooper think, that's still yeah. alive. I think it's Fives because I'm pretty sure Echo's gone. Because I have a friend whose uh, whose screen name is Echo, and he was pretty upset by that. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, we, we got that storyline, uh, which not really a lot happened, and and we got you know everything was three or four episode arcs. Um, even this last two part was part of a larger four part. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said earlier, those are really connected so um if we look at that and we go 22 episodes you can bet that that mandalorian arc is going to be a four episode arc oh yeah. yeah you can also bet that the next time we see darth maul will be at least a two episode arc if not a three or four episode arc so let's let's say a three episode arc just to to be kind of safe uh and then, uh, and then, let's say we have an Asajj Ventress story again, which will be in a, a, at least a two-episode arc. Right there, you've got five, and so that's nine episodes out of those twenty-two. That's almost half the season. Uh, we'll also get at least a two-parter about Ahsoka, at least a single episode about Padme. So now we're up to twelve of a twenty-two episode season. Mm-hmm. That's already half of our season that I can predict the storylines. You know, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I can tell you that those will be the focal points of those stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll also get at least a three-part Obi-Wan story. Uh, we'll get at least a three-part, if not a four-part Anakin story. You know, like you start to map it out, you can see a lot of what's going to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we'll also get a Yoda-focused episode next season. Uh I think that we might see another comic book adaptation episode. I don't know what comic book storyline they'll do, but those are my season five predictions. Okay. So we'll see. We'll see when we do get a trailer, probably at Comic-Con is when we'll get our first trailer. We'll see just how much of that is the case. Yeah. Well, I, I think, um, you know, it's like you have to, you could, as far as this finale and going into next season, you can look at and go, okay, you don't have to get to Darth Maul and, and Savage right now. Yeah. But it seems like you'd have to get to that Obi Wan adventurous thing fairly soon if, because you know if what I mean? they don't pick up with that, 
I'm going to be very upset because I want to know, right? Like that's yeah. that to me, it might not be the cliffhanger that 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 the note that they hit on right at the end, but it probably is the largest plot point left dangling. Right. Maul and Savage will get up to no good somewhere. We know what's going to happen there, right? right? And it's only a matter of time before they pop back up and something has to be done and they have to be dealt with. Um, but when it comes to Asage, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a really big dangling thread and there's a few ways that they can handle it you know like she can go back to the jedi temple with with obi-wan i find that highly unlikely i uh, mm. but they could also have her drop obi-wan off somewhere unknown you know like just in the middle of nowhere mm. and be like here you go i saved your butt now the rest is up to you and him going like yeah well i guess you know i, I was hoping that maybe you'd it <laughs> gone a little bit more to the to the light side, but oh well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, leopard can't change its spots, sort of thing. Uh, and uh, you know, like maybe that those are those are the couple ways that it can go. Uh, maybe the second that they're out of harm, it'll be like, okay, now we settle this, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, you know, Turn on you're not as you're not as altruistic as as uh, as I thought, you know, that sort of thing. So. Uh, I don't know. Who knows? We'll see. We'll yeah, see. we'll see. Let's. Uh, I guess we'll finish it up with the Facebook post of the week yes. from Ryan Stigerwald. He says, "I have a question for you guys. Is the dark side stronger? Darth Maul got cut in half and then fell into a deep pit and lived. Qui Gon got stabbed in the chest. What the hell? Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, Mike. Uh, we heard from long ago, thirty years ago, or whatever it was, from Yoda that you know the dark side is not stronger. No, it is easier. It's quicker, uh, and I think that's why it leads to. Um, well, we're, it's, things are getting so, things are getting not rewritten, but I mean, you get certain takes now that the Clone Wars is yeah. out. I mean, it changes sometimes, but like like Yoda said, I mean, you have to go with the very beginning when he said. The dark side. The dark side is not stronger. So, uh, you were gonna say something though. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Darth Maul may be still physically alive, but we saw him. He was messed up, and it took somebody else's power to restore yeah. him back. And and he isn't restored by virtue of his own strength. He's restored by virtue of. Mother Talzin and some magic, a little bit of yeah. a twisted version of the Force, mm-hmm. right? Um, that that Mother Talzin has the ability to sort of do these things and augment things in ways that other Sith and Jedi don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Qui Gon's not gone. His physical body may have been defeated, right? But we know from Episode Three, he's not gone. He still remains intact and alive in the Force, mm. not in the form that we would we would hope, you know, like not not in a form that that maybe uh, a character like Darth Maul would appreciate. Um, but the whole point, this is one of the larger overarching stories in Star Wars. That's it's it's this is probably the largest subplot throughout the entire series, and I don't just mean the movies, but like the entire. Star Wars uh, series, like everything, mm-hmm. expanded universe and all. Um, the Sith want to live forever. They want to come to power, 
defeat everything, reign over the galaxy, and 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 live forever, you know, and and enjoy that that the fact that they've taken over, right? That's right. what they want to do. That's that's their goal. But through the force and through the way of the wills, uh, if you've done any expanded universe reading, uh, Qui Gon unlocks that. And he finds out how to live forever. Now it's not in a physical sense, and it's not it's not the the corporeal uh, earthly version of immortality, but it is immortality, right? And Yoda mm-hmm. and Obi Wan both join him in the Force, as does Anakin, right? And they they do discover how to live forever. They discover the key to immortality. Mm-hmm. So. That's sort of it, it's a it's a very interesting duality of like it's just perspective because a Jedi has no attachments to the physical world. Their perspective is very different. It's just like Yoda says, you know, like luminous beings are we, not this crude matter, and that's the point. Right. So Darth Maul may get the the quick and easy resurrection. But Qui-Gon, his is the more permanent. Permanent, yeah, exactly. His is actually eternal. Mm. He's found a way to survive within the Force and to become a part of the Force, which, as we know from, from just from the basics of what the Force is, will always exist. It's an energy field that both simultaneously creates life and is fed by life. Right? Like, it's this infinity Mobius strip that is like, one doesn't exist without the other. Mm-hmm. The, the, the force creates life, but it's also created by it. And if you tap into that, and you become a part of that, then you live forever. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and if you want to go totally expanded universe with it, the force is not part of time uh, in sequence, like like uh, like a human or an organic life is, the force experiences time simultaneously, as Jason Solo learns. He learns he discovers the ability to walk back through time, through the force. Right, so he appears to people as a force ghost without dying. Right, mm-hmm. like he can he can experience time no matter where he is. So like for him, from his perspective, he is like the world around him is showing him the for through the force, what, what's going to happen. But he can also project himself backwards and interact or forwards and interact from the past with those people in the future. Uh, I think it happens the first time in the darkness trilogy. He he gets to the the bugs planet first, does a bunch of stuff, and then when Leia eventually gets there, there's essentially a message waiting for her from Jason. And he met they but they have a conversation, they interact. It's not just like, you know, help me Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. They have an actual conversation. So like that's like stuff like that, when you look at it, the the force is much deeper than I think the dark side understanding of it is. The dark side understanding is it's for power and to to 
to rule over others and and that's what the dark side does for you so it it gives maul the ability to survive and then to be restored to this half man half machine but i mean for qui-gon he's not even he's not even held back or encumbered by his physical body anymore he's just now one with the force which isn't that what all of the jedi are seeking to attain like that's the ultimate enlightenment mm-hmm. qui-gon now sees everything which is what sidious wants right sidious wants to be able to see the future and the past and understand everything so that he can use that power to corrupt and destroy and to rule but for qui-gon it's like he he attains that power to be able to see everything and certain things are the will of the force well if you're alive within the force and you're making things happen, well, that's the same thing, right? But it's a completely different perspective. So at the end of the day, no, the dark side isn't stronger. You get your rewards here and now, right? They're immediate rewards. But with the light side, the reward is eternal. Yeah, well, it's just like, like, you know, we saw in episode three with Plagueis, he was trying to you know, cheat death. And, and it's like you said, it's the Sith are into that physical form. Yeah. And, you know, who knows? Maybe Yoda can bring somebody back, but that's not the purpose. And like you said, that's not the the overall, um, that's not what the Jedi are looking for. Yeah. You know, so who knows? Maybe they could have brought Qui-Gon back, but that's, like you said, that is not, that's not their purpose. That's not what their uh, destiny is, uh, which is different from, from what the Sith are looking for is that, physical domination and once they're dead they're dead but uh you know it's it's trying to cheat death like we heard from Plagueis. so yeah yeah good points though good points and uh good facebook post uh deep stuff man you can really get deep into that i'll tell you what yes very interesting but we have no upcoming season five uh you know description yet or any trailers yet and nothing I'm sure you know when we do. I'm sure we'll get a we'll get a podcast going. We can talk about it, and uh, we still have a couple more to go. We'll, we'll have yes. like a recap. Um, you know, you guys send in your thoughts of the season, and and we can talk about them on the show. Maybe have an email and a season recap. Um, yeah. So definitely get on there. Continue on the Facebook. Um, but uh, I guess that's gonna do it for season four, Mike. Crazy. That huh? does. That's it. That's it for this week, and that's it for season four. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, Don't forget to check us out online at www.clonewarspodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. The username is Clone Wars. That's twitter.com slash Clone Wars. And you can head over to Facebook and join our group, facebook.com slash Clone Wars Podcast. And you can email us, mail at clonewarspodcast.com. So I highly suggest following us on Twitter or following us on Facebook and uh, checking CloneWarsPodcast.com on a regular basis as uh, all of our Star Wars Celebration 6 information will be disseminated through that. So uh, we're working on a panel. We're trying to get that sorted out. Uh, I'm, I'm actually talking to people at Lucasfilm to try and figure out if we can make that an official part of Star Wars Celebration 6. Uh, so staying tuned to clone wars podcast.com in the coming months 
it is going to be the best place to, to find that information. But you'll also be able to find it on Twitter as well as uh, as our Facebook group. Um, definitely join the Facebook page if you're going to be at Star Wars Celebration because we'll coordinate through that. Yeah. Uh, it'll be the fastest way for for everybody to communicate, even more so than, than Celebration 5. Uh, and C5, we were definitely all able to check our Facebooks and uh, and and know who was where doing what, um, but now everybody's got a phone that can do the Facebook and Twitter thing. So I uh, yeah, the 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 convention center has Wi-Fi, so there's no excuse. You'll all be able to uh, to to connect and get your information, and we'll be able to coordinate actually at Star Wars Celebration through the Facebook group and through the page. Uh, and I'll be able to send out messages and that sort of thing. So, so I get on there and uh, and stay tuned because it's going to be one heck of a party that you don't want to miss, Whoa. and, and uh, you don't want to miss us uh, at Star Wars Celebration Six because it's going to be it's going to be crazy. We got some surprises coming up in the next few weeks as well. So yeah, definitely. So even though season four is not it, season four is over, season four of Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast is. Uh, we're we're just getting started with some exciting stuff, so so stay tuned. Stay tuned, yes. And um, like I said, well, hopefully we'll be back in a, in a couple of weeks. We're gonna take a few weeks off, yeah. get some things uh, lined up, and then I'm sure we'll have some type of a a um, recap show or something like that. I know Kyle, who did all most of our recaps this year. A big yeah. shout out to Kyle again for stepping up and doing the recaps for us and and all the contributions that he puts on Facebook, as well as all of you on Facebook, and, and yeah. Jason Hunt as well. Hopefully we can get those guys on and have like a little round table on what we thought of season four. So, uh, and then hopefully some other surprises in there as well. Yeah, and you know what? If you have your own opinion about season four and you want to give us a shout, uh, the best way to do it is with an MP3. So record yourself and send that in to us, and we can... Uh, we can include you in that episode, and your voice can uh, can be heard by the countless numbers of Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast listeners out there on the interwebs. Yes. So, I guess for a few weeks we'll be gone, but uh, yep. thank you all for listening, and may the Force be with you, and we'll see you in a few weeks. See you soon. Hey there, Frontlines listeners. Welcome to a very special segment of uh, this episode. I've got with me uh, a special guest uh, popping in to uh, to say hi to you guys. Uh, it's uh, Concetta Parker of Parker Publicity. Hello. How are you? Uh, good. Great. Uh, so, Concetta, for those who might not be familiar with you, and shame on them for not being familiar with you, <laughs> uh, can you give us a little introduction uh, and and exactly your your connection to uh, Clone Wars. My connection to Clone Wars. Well, I'm yeah. very fortunate um, with Parker Publicity. I represent uh, some of the talent from Clone Wars animated series. James Arnold Taylor, voice of Obi Wan and Plo, 
and Catherine Tabor, who is Padme. And so I'm very lucky to work with the both of them. Um, and then I also do media, all the media and marketing for Rancho Obi-Wan. And I'm a diehard Star Wars fan. I have been since 1977. I will date myself. <laughs> I, I was there. So, <laughs> yeah, so I'm very lucky. It's like I, I love my job. Awesome. Yeah, I actually, uh, I follow you on Twitter as well as Tumblr, and uh, and and uh, I I knew that you had an interest in in the the Star Wars stuff, and you were a bit of a fan. But it wasn't until I started following your Tumblr that I saw just how much of a hardcore uh, diehard fan of Star Wars you are. Uh, and uh, I, I was I was actually I was a little bit blown away because I. I don't think very often that that we we hear about a lot of women in the Star Wars fandom, especially ones who are are uh, professionals as well as fans, uh, both relating to the Star Wars universe. So, uh, how how did you become a Star Wars fan? You just mentioned you were there in '77. You saw Star Wars yeah. on the big screen. Was I, that? I that was it? Like, just love at first sight? Yeah, it really was. Um, it was just after my sixth birthday. And um, so, yeah, my birthday's May 21st. So I, I was convinced then that when Empire Strikes Back came out, that George released it for me for my birthday <laughs> since it came out, you know, May 21st, 1980. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I was just immediately taken with it. I grew up in really the just... Uh, in the middle of nowhere in southern Indiana. I lived on a rural route. We <laughs> um, out on a farm. I worked in the melon fields as a kid. Um, it was just me and my imagination. It's not, you know, you could throw a rock and not hit anything. It's not like we had neighbors or people around. So Star Wars was really my escape and my friend. And it just gave me, it brought such a joy and fulfillment, at, you know, as a little girl. And that stayed with me, and it really kind of shaped the whole direction of every everything that I did up until now, as I'm a professional adult, but still, you know, really, um, yeah, major life decisions kind of based on Star Wars philosophy, and I'm proud to say that. I have no problem with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was really just completely engrossed as soon as... The opening scroll came up in the music and, you know, Han Solo and, yeah, it, it's been a lifelong love and journey for me. So, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, how, how do you get from rural Indiana to a, a, a publicist for James Arnold Taylor and Catherine Tabor, to uh, huge, huge voice <laughs> talents? Um, let's see. I'll try not, let's see, I'll, I'll try and make this quick and try and get <laughs> A quick version. Okay. Um, so since I was little, you know, Star Wars was huge for me. So mm -hmm. I've I had three loves since basically like the age of six and seven. So I knew I loved movies because of Star Wars. I've always loved animals and I loved radio. So I kind of set myself up at that age. I'm like, you know what? Someday I'm gonna I gotta figure out how I can work um, in movies because I want to know how Star Wars came to be. How did they do that? So that's kind of what inspired me in that direction. Um, and then I was really lucky, like right out of college, uh, my love of animals, I actually started working for a humane society. And they, I, I took over the public relations part of it. So as far as dealing with the media 
And so I did t uh, live TV spots five times a week for you know a few years, and then I was on in radio. I was the pet of the week girl, so I would you know take and talk about the animals and the things we were doing. And because of that, one of the radio stations offered me a job. So then I ended up working in radio and with animals. So there were the two things. I'm like, okay, I got two off my list. And with my radio gig. I actually ended up um, being offered a bigger radio gig in Cincinnati, Ohio. So I moved from Indiana to Ohio and I worked for a major, uh, major like seven major stations in Cincinnati. Really enjoyed it. I did on-air work, promotions, publicity, and we did a lot of, There's uh, they still do them, like radio stations will do advanced screenings of films before they come out. And since Cincinnati was one of the not a huge market, but bigger than Southern Indiana, we did a lot of advanced screenings. So I actually met um, with an agency in Cincinnati that handled those screenings, that worked with all of the studios. And I ended up getting a job with that agency because of uh, my exceptional promotional and publicity skills. <laughs> you know, they were like, why don't you come work for us? I was like, I'd love to. So that's how I ended up working um, in the film industry is with that agency, we repped for like five major cities in the Midwest, and we handled everything for all the major studios, Disney, DreamWorks, Sony, you know, uh, MGM, Paramount, Warner Brothers, all of them, and I ended up being the supervisor for that company. So I was working with the studios one-on-one, -on -one, um, and I just, I loved it. It was such an interesting thing to see all of the inner workings and how each of the different studios has their own personality and how they handle things and want to do it. And 20th Century Fox was one of our studios. So, you know, when they did the, uh, the re-releases, it was, you know, to be a part of that was, was pretty awesome. And, um, so I was doing that in Cincinnati and then one of the studios was like, why don't you come out to LA? And I, I almost took a job with DreamWorks. DreamWorks was my favorite studio. But um, I actually declined it and, and stayed back. But another agency was like, we really want you to come out to L.A. And a, a door opened, came to L.A., worked for the studios, doing the movie thing. And a total random passing in the hallway of overhearing um, the CEO of my company say, hey, somebody just got sick and they have to work that Revenge of the Sith press junket up in San Francisco. <laughs> And I did the, you know, the 180, and I was like, oh, me, 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 you know. <laughs> and um, so my boss was like, oh, my God, Consetta, I totally forgot you're a huge Star Wars fan. I'm, I'm going to send you. I need you to go home and pack a bag right now. It literally happened that quickly. And I left. This was on a Friday afternoon. I packed a bag, got on an airplane, came up to Northern California. And by Monday morning, I was driving on to Skywalker Ranch for the Revenge of the Sith press junket back in May of 2005. And at that point, I was like, this is, it was like a dream come true. It's like everything that I wanted, you know, wished for when I was a little girl. I'm like, oh my God, it's happening. I get to come to Skywalker Ranch. Um, and so I called my parents. They were the only two people that really knew what that meant to me. And because they were so supportive and fabulous. And I'm like, I made it. I finally made it to Skywalker Ranch. <laughs> and worked with Lucasfilm and stood next to George Lucas and um, 
And it was during that that I, I mean, I think some people know that I, I married a stormtrooper. And I, I, met, I met that stormtrooper at Skywalker Ranch during this event. So, you know, I called my folks. And I'm like, oh, my God, I met a stormtrooper. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to go back to L.A., quit my job and move up here. And they were like, okay, you know, totally made sense <laughs> to them. And that's what happened. I, I, I dropped everything in L.A., moved up here. And um, because of the Star Wars wedding we started to plan, word kind of got out to different people, including Steve Sansweet, who runs, you know, and owns Rancho Obi-Wan. And he's like, I'm really interested in your story. You guys should come up here and, you know, and l let's talk and maybe you can use some of the things from the museum. And so that's how we met Steve was because of the Star Wars wedding. And because we work with, or we're so close to Lucasfilm and we're 501st members, I volunteered at a lot of events and helped Lucasfilm, um, you know, with events and promotions and things. And I met a lot of the talent uh, for Clone Wars. And I met James uh, and Catherine and, you know, and Tom and Dee and, and all of them. And he developed a really good relationship with all of them. And it just so happened that James and, and Catherine were, were looking for um, somebody to handle personal publicity and management. For them. So they asked me, would you be interested? And that was just a big yes, that would be <laughs> fabulous. So that's, that's how Parker Publicity was born, was I, I'd always repped and done it uh, agency and studio wise but had never done it uh for personal talent i'd worked with personal talent but i was assigned by the studios so it would be for a specific event or a specific movie but never um as the client or you know as the talent being the client so mm -hmm. it was new for me but it was really exciting because i with the understanding of what was involved and having the knowledge base that i had you know from past experience and plus my uber love and knowledge of Star Wars, it all just kind of made this perfect concoction uh, for this, you know, my my company to be born and like it, it just was awesome. Like Star Wars has brought so many opportunities to me and I'm just, I'll forever be thankful for that. And see, there's my really quick, short answer <laughs> to that question. <laughs> no, that's excellent. That's excellent. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, it, it it's always awesome when you can take a fandom and uh, and turn it into something uh, something something a little bit more real, a little bit more substantial than just like action figures on a wall, <laughs> which I think a lot of us end up with, right? I, I I mean, I can I can relate somewhat with the podcast, and you're you were talking about uh, uh, you know getting up to to the Skywalker Ranch and. And meeting people for the first time, and and it just made me think back two years ago at Star Wars Celebration when I was, uh, in in the press room meeting James and Catherine for the first time, and and talking to them and doing all that stuff. And it's it's um it's awesome when when you can have like a professional life that entangles with something that you love so much, and just have those two things come together like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I bet you and I probably, if we didn't speak to each other, we had to have seen one another because mm -hmm. I worked, I worked the media room at Celebration Five. Okay. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that we, I'm sure that we, we, I said excuse me and shuffled past one another at some point because that that yes. room was was hectic. It was uh, it was it was a great weekend. I'm looking so forward 
to uh, to this August and getting down there again and seeing everybody and and uh, doing the whole thing all over again. Yeah, it's going to be fabulous, and it's going to come fast. It's what like 153 days or something. Not oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's getting close. It's getting close. Um, so. What what exactly does it mean to be a publicist? Because I think I think a lot of us probably have an idea of, of maybe what what a publicist does. But on a like on it just on a general day to day basis, what kind of stuff are you doing for for James and for Catherine and for the other like the companies and that sort of thing that you represent? Well, it's it's interesting that you asked me that because someone just today. Um, I get, I probably get one email, one or two emails a month of somebody asking about me helping them publish their book because they think I'm a publisher. Yeah. And I'm like, no, you know, I'm not in the, you know, not in that industry. I mm -hmm. understand where, you know, there'd be confusion. And then, so when I responded and I was like, no, I'm sorry, I don't, you know, and they're like, well, what is it that you do? And I'm like, you know, it is a good question because, um, if you, you know, somebody said, oh, I Googled publicist and it said that their job is simple and straightforward. And I, and I, <laughs> I laughed. I'm like, of course, that's why Google says. <laughs> um, but it's and plus publicists kind of get a bum rap in movies. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Me, you know, they're like, oh, they're the, you know, kind of the the snooty, obnoxious, uh, harsh, especially chicks or whatever that just kind of get in the way. But mm -hmm. um it's I kind of look at it look at it as being the I'm going to be your right arm. I'm the extension of you. Uh, it's kind of all encompassing assistant, publicist, manager, whatever it is. Um, I'm there to help publicize that person or the project or event, and so everybody knows if you know if you have a question about James Arnold Taylor, I should be able to give you that answer. You should know what he's doing or know what Catherine what what she's doing. And if you have a question, you come to me. You want to set up an interview? You come to me. I, you know, handle the scheduling. Um, you know, there, uh, I get a lot of calls about work for them to do. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, some agent duties that are in there. Um, and it's, but it's more. I don't know. I mean, it's really kind of managing everything, especially now. Even over the past several years, with social media, really. Mm -hmm. Going up, it's not just oh, we're going to sit down with the other and have a a basic conversation one on one. It's daily interaction with your fan base and with your media and with your work, and everybody yeah. can kind of know what's going on with Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and Tumblr and Pinterest and and everything. It's um, and fans have really high expectations, <laughs> mm -hmm. and. You know, I and I get that, and I respect that. I, I, as a fangirl, I also relate to that. So it's hard with different personalities of talent. You have some that just, you know, it's like I, I can designate so much time a day to do that, um, and others can't. And some people, it's really been fascinating for me to watch all the different celebrities and, and talent that are on Twitter, how they handle themselves um, when you can tell that it is really that person or if they have someone else doing it for them mm -hmm. um, and how quickly fans or anybody can turn on a dime it's I'm glad I'm not a celebrity I think it could be, <laughs> I mean it's it's you really got to be careful to everything mm -hmm. because it's all in a soundbite or it's all in 140 characters or less yeah so 
Well, you have to be clear in the message that you're trying to get across. And, but also with that access, I mean, now you have, I mean, I deal with a lot of incoming emails and Facebook and, and tweets of people asking about charity events or requests for autographs or, mm -hmm. hey, can we get, you know, let's show, we want to show Hughes the Force at this convention or how do we get an Army Animals t-shirt or get a, you know, autograph from Kat or James or, or Clone Wars in general. Mm -hmm. um, I, I get a lot of questions about people that I don't personally represent, <laughs> but they know by extension that I know them and yeah. it, it's really a fine line, but it's, it's incredibly challenging, but it's really awesome to, especially because I really, not just saying it because they are my clients, but, um, you know, with, with, with James and with Catherine, they're, we're also friends. So they're just really good people. So I really mm -hmm. care about what they're doing. So to see something come full circle, um, and happen for them work wise or media wise is very, it's very exciting. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's been fun, especially with James with like the, the Obi-Wan Kenobi four part arc that happened on Clone Wars yes. weeks ago. And even with the season finale with, with Maul um, mm -hmm. talking to James about that. Cause he was doing some live blogs with entertainment weekly for a few of those episodes. So I'd yeah. be on the phone with them and we're blogging and chatting together and watching the episodes and, it was, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm talking to Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> I'll watch the Clone Wars, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and I joked with him after. I was like, James, you have to realize how cool that is for anybody, not yeah. just like, oh, oh, you know, it's just, and I was like, no, really. I mean, if you would have told me when I was six years old that someday you're going to be on the phone with Obi-Wan Kenobi and you're going to be helping him do publicity, <laughs> be doing this thing called a live blog on a laptop and... <laughs> Um, so there's some really surreal moments that, that happen. And I, I try to be, you know, remind myself every day how, how lucky I am that I get to do work that I really enjoy and with people that I really care about and with things that I, that I love and that I have since I was little. And, um, it's, it's really cool for me to see, everybody on Twitter and Facebook and like, you know, the podcasts and the people that have fan groups and, and to watch the quote unquote geek community come out full force is really awesome because I really could have used that <laughs> back in the eighties. <laughs> um, you know, I, I look and I'm like, Oh man, we all would have been, we would have been friends when we were little yeah. and that would have been cool. And yeah, absolutely. The, but the fact that we can find each other now is, is just awesome. And yeah to not let people, you know, it was hard, especially being a, being a little girl, I got teased a lot and I didn't really, I was like, whatever, I don't care. But, um, it is hard. Mm -hmm. And I think some people still struggle with that even at an adult age. And it's like, you know what? It's fine. Mm -hmm. Just say it's okay to love star Wars yeah. or star Trek or twilight or whatever it is. If, yeah. if that's what makes you happy power to you and, and don't let anybody take that from you. Um, that was probably my biggest thing is that I refused to, to lose that feeling. You know, I'm like, I, I got to find a way to hang on to that feeling of how happy you were when you were little playing with your action figures and my Millennium Falcon and my Dagobah playset and my Tauntauns. Yeah. And it's, 
yeah, I mean, and I'm, I'm looking around in my house now, and we, we transformed our entire house into a big Star Wars house. And it's awesome. Like every toy that we ever, you know, my husband and I had when we were little, and we were going to have one room. And I'm like, why don't we just do the whole house? Who cares? It's our house. <laughs> so we did, and we love it, and it makes us happy, and and that's okay. You know, it's like, no, we don't have children. We have cats and there are kids. <laughs> this is, this is what makes us happy. And, mm-hmm. you know, Star Wars brings people together. Things that have a common, um, fan base or general consensus of yeah. love that just brings people together. And I just think that's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what Star Wars celebration is all about, about right? I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's a bunch of people and it doesn't matter what age you are because uh, you, you come together and for that weekend everybody in that building is you know an eight-year-old who loves Star Wars like that it, it doesn't matter it, it makes no difference and I think like it's it's funny how how you pack so much into events like that and comic-con and that sort of thing but I think that goes back to a lot of what you were saying about you know like oh it would have been so wicked to know these people when I was a kid because yeah. we would have been such good friends and we would have had so much fun so it's almost like you get together at a convention like celebration or fan days or comic con and it's oh we got to make up for all this lost time like yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and we so we'll we'll put on our costumes and we'll play with lightsabers and you know we'll be a little bit more reserved because because some of us are adults and we got to act a certain way but every once in a while you see somebody uh you see somebody walk around a corner and see a a real full-size functioning r2d2 and you see their eyes light up and it doesn't matter they could be an 80 year old uh man and and like for a half a second you can see in their eyes that they're just they're just that little kid looking in wonderment at this amazing thing that they they connect with so uh that's that's for me, what you try to express to people who aren't Star Wars fans or who aren't who don't have a fandom like that and who've never been right. to a convention, what right. it's all about and and how it can just be so amazing, uh, and and that's what it is. Like it's just that that ridiculous childlike passion of of uh, seeing something for the first time, and even if you've seen it a million times, I mean, I, I remember seeing seeing those droids up and functioning at, at celebration. And it was, it was ridiculous to have a room full of like 20 astromech droids, just sort of beeping and whistling away when previous to that, it was just a, just a thing on a screen. Right. Right. Oh so yeah. It, it just, it, it comes to life when you're there and you turn around the corner and there's, there's a, a guy who is a spot on Boba Fett who you look at his armor and you're like, I swear that's better than what's in the movie. Like his has more detail than the props. Cause I've seen the right. props <laughs> and that looks amazing. You know, like it, stuff like that is just, it's so great. Um, yeah. it's and, pretty fabulous. And that's actually how I ended up meeting my husband mm-hmm. because when I was at Skywalker ranch for the press junket, I had my headset mm-hmm. on and I kept hearing, I was dealing with like, um, the Hollywood insider. I think we were on the back porch of the main house at the ranch and they were they were like, does anybody want stormtroopers or Chewbacca for B-roll? Does anybody want? St-? And I was like, <laughs> hell, I want to see a stormtrooper in Chewbacca. I've never seen one. I didn't know about the 501st at that time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was like, yeah, will you please send me at least one stormtrooper in Chewbacca to the back port by 9 a.m.? 
And, you know, I hear the clanking of the armor, and here comes a stormtrooper. Just walked up on the porch with Chewbacca behind him, and I almost squealed. I was just like, oh, my God. Um, you know, and then the trooper takes his bucket off, and there's, you know, there's my gorgeous soon-to-be husband. And, of course, the first <laughs> thing I said to him was, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? It was the only thing I could think of to say to him. And I was like, oh, stupid, stupid, stupid. I should have said something better, but... Um, yeah, I mean, it's when you see it and it it's just becomes so real and at conventions and celebration, it's a safe place, you know, yeah. we're all there for the same reason and there's no judgment, you don't have to worry about getting, you should not be ever be picked on at a convention. <laughs> no. Like, we're all, you can geek out as much as you want and it's just like the vibe, you know, at Comic-Con and Celebration and Fan Days, it's just happy. It's just, I, I love it. Um, yeah, it's just, it's fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Can't wait. So, so speaking of Celebration 6, uh, we just got news a little while ago about, uh, about who's going to be hosting. And uh, I was really excited to hear that James Arnold Taylor would be hosting so saying, I, I can't remember the name of the stage, but it's the main stage, right? Main stage. It is yeah. main stage? Okay. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I mean, I, I, saw, I, I saw several of the panels that he was part of at Celebration 5, and uh, in particular, his, his own show. He did, he did the, the uh, uh, is it Talking to Myself? Is that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Man show was talking to myself. Yeah, he he did it at, at Celebration Five, and and I was in the audience for it. And I mean, I had always uh, appreciated his work on on the Clone Wars, and I knew that he was uh, other voices. And uh, I, I mean, in my interview with him, I talked to him because I'm a huge Ratchet and Clank fan. Oh yeah. And, and so yeah. for the the fact, like it was it was sort of a, a moment of realization. I think like a couple weeks before when I put two and two together and was like, I, I knew, I knew that name from somewhere yeah. when he, when I ha found out that he was Obi-Wan Kenobi and then I put it together like, no, he's the voice of Ratchet from Ratchet and Clank as well. And then looked at his IMDb and he's also Leonardo from oh, yeah. the TMNT movie and all these different characters. And then to see him do his show and to see him go through so many voices, just just some of them just spot on impeccable impressions yeah. in in like sixty seconds is it's it it sort of boggles the mind that one person could uh, <laughs> hold on to that much information, just the uh, the nuance and the and the little stuff and and on top of that, put it all together in such an entertaining show. I was sitting there in that in that audience in that theater going like how come he's not hosting everything at this like yeah, he, he should yeah. be hosting this whole show so when when the announcement came through that that he would would actually be hosting the main stage uh i was like well that makes perfect sense to me uh yes. particularly after last year doing uh star wars weekends as well so Right, right. And at Celebration 5, he, he just did, um, like, the voice impressions section of mm -hmm. Talking to Myself. He's been working on this one-man show for quite some time. And to watch it, you know, develop, and he debuted the full show at Disney Star Wars Weekends last year. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a condensed uh, version. We uh, called it Obi-Wan and Beyond. Um, but... The, the full version, talking to myself, he's actually about to debut it in Ireland overseas the first mm -hmm. week of 
May at Invasion Dublin and just to to have been a part of it with him through this process and and watch it kind of just blossom it's such an amazing show because it's entertaining and you see over 150 voices that he does you know it is voice doubling you know for celebrities and everything but the whole story behind it he's truly one of the most inspirational people that I've ever known certainly talent talent wise that I've that I've worked with personally he just he I don't know he he is able to motivate people because you know you look at James and you you know you hear the story of everything that he went through to get where he is and he makes you feel like if James can do it so can I <laughs> um, and so the, the fact that um, talking to myself is is gaining some legs so to speak and hopefully we'll be able to you know bring that show to more and more places so people can see it because it's just it's amazing and mm -hmm. The fact that he'll be able to, you know, really show his talents more and more and be the, the main host at Celebration 6 is just, you know, we were jumping up and down. Very, very excited. I mean, you know, we've been talking about it and wondering what was going to happen. So when we were able to make that full announcement, it was awesome. And, you know, Pablo Hidalgo is on one of the other stages as well as David Collins. And so those three guys are awesome in the Star Wars universe. You really yeah. can't get much better than that. So, um you know, they're working on programming and everything now. So I think there's going to be some, you know, something announcements coming that, and I can't say anything, but I think Star Wars fans will be really happy. I mean, I think Celebration 6 will, will knock everybody's socks off. So it's, you know, get ready. <laughs> oh, we, we're, we're in preparation. We're, we're planning our 100th episode for recording live at the, at the, from the convention center. So, oh, uh, awesome. Yeah, so uh, it's it's a it's a huge deal. I know for a lot of Star Wars fans, and uh, and and it's just it's so great that that James is going to be such an integral part of the show because I feel like in the last couple of years, he's he's sort of stepped out as one of the the loudest voices in in uh, like sort of the the official Star Wars. Uh, folks out there um and and just you know he, he's on facebook he's on twitter he's all over the place just throwing out words of inspiration it's not always star wars stuff and that yeah. i think that's one of the great things is that that he he's just he's so great to all of all of his fans and to everybody who loves the clone wars and and he's just so generous with with uh just with himself i mean he, he, yeah. he puts himself out there when he does, uh, when he does his shows, and and when when uh, he comes on and does interviews on podcasts and stuff, um, it's it's so great to see him having the success that he's having right now uh, with with hosting Celebration Six and 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 with his show about to debut. Um, I'm, I'm I'm really hoping that, that I mean I'm sure it, he'd probably be doing it at Celebration Six. I think that's a safe bet that that maybe we'll get to see it there. Probably a, I don't know. You could probably bet on that. Okay. I'm not sure, but <laughs> I can't really say. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, James is just—he's truly just fantastic. And um, 
I, I hate when I have to be the bad guy with them as far as it's like, okay, James, why well, I need you to, you know, we're, you're doing too much or that I have to be the, you know, with the requests and that come in mm-hmm. for them. No, I'm sorry. We don't have time for this, or it's going to take us a while to be able to do this or, yeah. um, because he, you know, he, he wants, he's so generous, as you said, with his time and wants to, to do something for everyone. And you really, part of of my job is is helping um my clients in that establish some boundaries it's like you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta look out for your own time as well or you get burnt out yeah um or you you know you just overextend and then you know because people will always just want more from you which that's what you want that's awesome but you still have to it's like it's okay to take you know take a break yeah you know, you, you've got a family <laughs> um so yeah, but it, it is it is really exciting to watch that happen, and um, you know there's more announcements coming that we're really excited about. So of course that I can't say anything about them, but they're coming. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and it's yeah, I mean it is. So it's it it's 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 just great to be a part of that with him and and with my other clients to see you know, see that momentum build because it's like, doesn't, you know, everybody should know who James Arnold Taylor is. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely agree. <laughs> yeah. our, our listeners are not, uh, it's, it's not unknown to them that I'm, I'm a huge fan. Uh, I'm a, I'm an Obi-Wan fan to begin with, uh, just of the character. And then, uh, his, his portrayal, like many of the, the actors portrayals on the Clone Wars, uh, for me is, is the best portrayal of Obi-Wan, mostly because we've gotten to know him so much better through right. through James's performance and through the stories that they've told on The Clone Wars. Right. Uh, but, I mean, uh, you know, his Obi-Wan, Matt Lanter's Anakin, uh, uh, Mace Windu, uh, so many of the characters <laughs> that, that uh, we want more from, we get more from on The Clone Wars. And, and I think as the series continues, they become some of the best sources uh for to to really know who that character is i mean when we got to see uh the other side of obi-wan with the whole duchess satine storyline uh it's just it's been so great uh but anyways i'll i'll steer it away from talking about james the entire interview because because i will the the listeners know that i will just with james and with Catherine, mm-hmm. if you, if in case you needed any more reason to think that they're both, you know, if if you don't already think they're awesome, this will this will put the gold, you know, the gold star on top of it. They're both also genuinely true hardcore Star Wars fans, mm-hmm. um, and so for them, they also have that that love that we do, and they get just as excited about it. So it's fun. I mean, you know, I've I've had some really cool just. Star Wars fan conversations, like all of us just talking as fans, not as being a part of it, but you know, and it's just, yeah, I love that. It's just another thing I love about both of them the fact that they both love Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, cause some people, you know, you don't always get that with people that are voicing for, for different things. So it's just cool to sit and talk about Star Wars with James Earl Taylor and Catherine. <laughs> It just is. Okay. I just had to say that. So, so yeah. So, on to, on to other things. Uh, mm-hmm. well, 
Tell me a little bit about Rise of the Consultant. So we got a teaser trailer a little while ago. Yeah. But uh, but it, it's really, it is a teaser because it's just this little sort of taste of yeah, what, what you, it is. What do you think of the teaser for Star Wars Rise of the Consultants? I, you know, I, fantastic. <laughs> I, the, 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 uh, the, I always, I'm always amazed at the production quality on mm -hmm. stuff like that, and, and like uh, Hughes the Force as well, and, and a lot of these these projects that are uh, unofficial but have the official feel to them. Like, they really right. feel like they're, they're uh, you know, they might be from a completely different perspective, and sometimes they're a little bit skewed and a little bit, a little bit wacky and that sort of thing, but when it comes to... I, I hate using the term fan films because it... Right. it, it I feel like it demeans it, like it sort of brings it down a level. And even though there's been like the Adam uh, fan film awards and that sort of thing, like for all of the Star Wars stuff in the past, just that term fan films to me makes it sound like, oh, it's just some dudes in their backyard with some lightsabers that they made out of PVC pipes and, and right. you know, a little bit of Photoshop. <laughs> and it's like, it's so much more than that because you have some really talented people putting together such great stuff. And that's like it. I could tell just from the teaser that like there's there's been a lot of time and attention put into it. You know, it's not oh, yeah. just a not just a, a throwaway project. No, not by a long shot. Um, and it's just another case of how Star Wars brings people together. In mm. that, so for our we had a huge Star Wars wedding, and I actually had two Darth Vaders. I had one Darth Vader that married us, and it, so we had our ceremony vader and our reception vader because four hours is a long time to be in a darth vader costume so we my darth vader at our wedding reception who's a 501st member uh we obviously became friends because of that um his name is john peters and he has his own company athena online that um does a lot of uh video and effects development and everything so we became friends with john and he's like you know i have this idea for a like you know as you said we did, he didn't really call it a fan film he's like I have this you know an idea I was like okay so like literally gosh I think it's been two years ago now huh <laughs> that we you know kind of sat and just brainstormed about what you know what really happened with you know what why why did the first Death Star blow up and it was probably poor management so you know they're gonna bring in a human resources consultant to come in and just kind of go over and see what's going on. What you know? What what were the the, the, the pitfalls with your overall <laughs> management being Vader? And so that's kind of the whole concept, you know, that John came up with. Because also the company, one of the pro things that his company does is they develop kind of really cool, entertaining um, video bits called Smart Bites that companies use. Um, for business training and HR development. So it's not like your humdrum thing. It's really mm. cool. And so he deals a lot with um, with HR people. <laughs> so he's like, oh, maybe maybe there's something to that. And it, that, it was his brainchild. And then so we just started talking. And he's like, well, you know, I, I, he has this idea for who the consultant should be. And we were going to do casting and everything. And he actually, he had called me one day and we were talking and I'd had, I'd had a really bad day and the, the tone and inflection in my voice. And I said, you know, John, I, I, I'm sure that everybody thinks that I'm just this really nice, sweet, short little blonde, but I can really just not be sometimes. 
And he's like, you know, and I said, hey, I'll be your consultant. I can do this. And, it, you know, we kind of joked about it. And then um, and then we went for it. So I and I, I cannot wait to start doing some principal photography with some of the first. I believe we're going to do it as a web series. OK. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, because the script is just it's hilarious. Like it's we had so much fun just f filming the trailer. Mm -hmm. And I got a, case, a serious case of the giggles because, as you know, because because <laughs> it's it's John. Um, he he is Darth Vader, and um, he has one of the best Vader five hundred first approved costumes. And we had him kind of he was down like kind of on his knees. We you know we had to, he would rise. And he did this like, I don't know, 30 or 40 times. And I'm standing off to the side. I'm like, John, your legs, your knees are going to give out on you. Dude, you're going <laughs> to fall face forward a couple times, you know. So we like do the cue and it's like, okay, you know, do the countdown for him to stand up. <laughs> and I was like, he's leaning, he's leaning. And he would just, <laughs> and I would just, it was just cracking me up. I'm like, dude, if you fall on me, you're never going to get this shot. But so yeah, and then he did his company, and he does all the effects. This is him doing it, um, and I think it'll you know be an opportunity for people to see what he can do as well because he's incredibly talented. I, he's one of my dearest friends, and we're having a blast with it. So I cannot wait <laughs> to share more of uh, Star Wars Rise of the Consultants. Star Wars Rise of the Consultants dot com. No, no. <laughs> Awesome. Cool. I uh, and what about Hughes the Force? That's a uh, we 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 didn't really talk about it a lot on the show. I know Matt uh uh checked it out when uh when all that was sort of when there was the premiere and everything. But I uh, Yeah. But I haven't I I mean I know it's a, it's it's a it's its own fan film-ish sort of thing. Uh and uh and James is in it, and yeah, some so, other some other folks are in it. I but what, can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, I mean, it was again, it was how Star Wars brings people together. I randomly, um, J.C. Reifenberg, who you know, like wrote, directed, uh, produced. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people involved, but J.C. was the one, the name that I had, who he had reached out to James and Catherine about uh, potentially doing cameos and. So James had already spoken to him, and then James called me, and he said, you know what, I, you know, I, I think you should talk to JC. And I'm like, okay, because of course me, I'm like, hey, who's this person reaching out to my talent, and they didn't go through me, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> No. Um, so I, you know, contacted JC, and I was like, we should meet. I want to hear about this idea. Let's, let's see what's going on. And we got together, and we just, like, instantly became friends, and his, you know, because he's from... Uh, Northern Illinois, up like where John Hughes is from, and where mm -hmm. all the classic, you know, Sixteen Candles, Breakfast Club, Weird Science um, was inspired, and he loves Star Wars as well. So it was Hughes the Force as the combination of your Star Wars reference and John Hughes film references. Mm -hmm. And so he's telling me about it. And I'm like, I love it because I love John Hughes films. That was my you know, the night I graduated eighth grade, I went and saw The Breakfast Club. So that's dating myself, but that was me. <laughs> and the love of Star Wars. And I, I just, you know, I'd seen, heard the story and saw his vision and I believed in it. And I was like, let's do this. I'll help you with, you know, publicity and promotions. And we did the red carpet LA premiere 
in October last year, and then they showed it, screened it at Fan Days. It's mm-hmm. you know a really good following, um, and this is another one to watch though because we hope to have a couple of announcements coming up for Hughes the Force. So, but yeah, I mean James Arnold Taylor does a cameo as Obi Wan, and Catherine mm-hmm. Taylor is a cameo as Padme. So it's the first time we've had two of the characters that they voice actually appear in costume as the, as the characters they voice. Um, but then we also have a little cameo by somebody called Kevin Smith. Um, so it, it was a lot, it's just, it was just so much fun. And again, to see the quality of all the guys that worked on that together to make it happen. And it's been fun to watch that and to, you know, I'm really excited where, where it's going to lead to for everybody involved because, you know, as for young filmmakers and, it, it's just, it's a great project and it, it has caught people's attention. So hopefully we'll be making some announcements soon for, for, so that more, more people will have an opportunity to see it because it's definitely worth seeing. Awesome. That's cool. Not, not just saying that. Yeah. I mean, I'll get you a copy. If you have not seen it, I will get you a copy, Michael. Okay. I know somebody, I'll, you know, I got connections. <laughs> I'll hold you to that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and now you mentioned, uh, uh, way back at the beginning of this interview, uh, that, that you, you, uh, worked with, uh, Rancho Obi-Wan mm-hmm. in the past. Uh, what, what, what was your involvement with that and with, with Steven, his massive museum of Star Wars? Um, well, I actually still work for Rancho Obi-Wan. Okay. So that is, um, you know, because of, again, you know, our Star Wars wedding and Steve heard about it and we went up and met him and then have actually become really, really close friends with Steve and Ann Newman, who is the manager for Rancho Obi-Wan. She's like my best friend now. It's like having a Star Wars family up here, which is fabulous. Um, you know, so we, we, my husband and I had been, we'd been volunteering through the whole, through this huge remodeling and construction of Rancho Obi-Wan to expand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we did the re-grand opening November 5th of 2011. Huge party, huge unveiling. And because now Rancho Obi-Wan has become a nonprofit, we wanted it to be become a museum to make sure that it would be preserved so mm-hmm. that it's not, not just for, hey, we love Star Wars, let's go check out, you know, Star Wars stuff. It's so much more than that. It's, you know, it's 35 years of history. Um, of items and collectibles and stories and everything from all over the world. And now it's all put together in almost 10,000 square feet of what is Rancho Obi-Wan. So there's an opportunity for people to, you know, make donations, become a member, support Rancho Obi-Wan and be able to come and see it. And, it's really, you know, we just want to make sure that it's always going to be there, that future generations can go and experience Rancho Obi-Wan, because not everybody can go to Skywalker Ranch, and mm-hmm. Rancho Obi-Wan is just as, it, it's, it's just as awesome. I still get chills every time I go, every time, you know, we're working on something, to watch the people come through and do tours, and um, the last tour that we did, you know, people cry. I still cry yeah. sometimes when I go in there because it's just absolutely it's just a magical place and to know that I mean you know there's movie use props and hundreds of works of art thousands of posters action figures every vehicle fan made created items 
you can see the pictures online and, you know, people talk about it, but to really, you know, to set foot in there and, and Steve Sansweet does the tours with you and you hear all of the stories behind it and, you know, what it means to him, um, because it's, it's, it's a labor of love for him as well. And it's, it's kind of, I look at it as kind of our generation's legacy that we need to make sure that it's always going to be there because there's no place else like it. It's the largest privately owned collection of Star Wars items. And there, I don't know, the memories just swell up. You just look around, you're like, oh my gosh, I used to have that. Or, oh my, you know, the things <laughs> that they had from Germany and Hungary and Yugoslavia and, you know, the the entire library that he has of every Star Wars book from all over the world. But it's just the history of it. And to, you know, you look at it and then you know how many people worldwide have been affected by Star Wars and our whole, our whole culture was affected. So it's really, you know, it's fun and it's awesome, but it's, it's a part of our, our country's, our culture's history. Uh Um, so yeah, so public support for Rancho Obi-Wan is, is really important. So anybody that has any questions or is interested, um, you can just go to ranchoobiwan.org and anything that you would need to know is going to, is going to be there, but it really is. It's a magical place. It's inspired by the force of imagination. Awesome. That's (laughs) wicked. That's wicked. I'd, lo- I'd love to get the opportunity to ha- uh, come out there and check everything out at some point because it just uh, all the pictures that I've seen and everything. It just it's uh, it, like you said. It, you know, you see things and you're like, oh, I had that. You yeah. know, and oh, oh, I, oh, I always wanted that one. You yeah. know, like oh, I looked everywhere for that, but I could never find it. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's breathtaking, and we have and James Arnold Taylor actually. Um, you hear his voice at Rancho Obi Wan. I'll tell you that <laughs> without giving anything away. But he um, he's one of our our uh, celebrity supporters of Rancho Obi Wan because he understands the importance of, and he's Obi Wan. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, when Steve asked me, you know, to help to be a part of it as not just as a volunteer but as a, a staff member and to help him with it, I was just overjoyed. Huge honor. So. Um, yeah, so it was just another, again, you know, part of Star Wars on my journey that now has become, uh, I hate to say work because work is, (laughs) can sound like such a negative word, but it's just, it's awesome. It really is to watch everything unfold and, um, the people come through and the stories that you hear and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's really inspiring. Well, but it's not all Star Wars uh, in your life. There's uh, there's some other stuff uh, that that you do, uh, and I saw on your website uh, this link to Arm the Animals. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what Arm the Animals is and your involvement? Yeah, um, animal uh, related charities have always been very near and dear to me. So um, you know, I did I worked for a humane society for years, and I still support that. The Vandenberg Humane Society in Evansville, Indiana, will always be near and dear to me. So um, I've tried to continue to do some volunteer work with animal organizations, and actually on Twitter, I randomly somebody was talking about um, arm the animals, and I'm like, well, what is that? So. I actually looked him up at armtheanimals.com, and these guys started, um, so the money, it's basically like t-shirts 
and that that they created that they sell them and then they use the money to go that they donate then to various animal organizations so one of the guys that started his sister was a huge animal lover and she passed away and he was trying to think of a way you know to still contribute you know with her in mind um so that she'd be proud of them and so he developed this concept and so i tell people i'm like if you want to support animals and look really cool <laughs> Because, like, the designs are, okay, we have, like, an image of a kitten throwing a grenade. <laughs> we have a cute little panda bear holding a gun. And <laughs> we've got uh, gorillas with a machine gun. And you've got dolphins with a Gatling gun. And so, and it was just, I really liked the concept. And Catherine Tabor is also a huge animal lover. And she and I had been talking and I also know um, Kat goes to a firing range and stuff like she's interested in <laughs> guns. And I'm like, Kat, this is totally perfect. I think we should. So I, I reached out to him. I'm like, hey, you know, do you would you guys want some help with this? And they're like, oh, my God, we would love it. So um, so we're both kind of supporting them, just, you know, getting the word out because it's fun. And there's other celebrities that have gotten involved. And so it's kind of like, hey, who can you get? Uh, where can you have show pictures of the arm, the animal? Are the animals shirts in action? So, like, I took pictures at Rancho Obi Wan with some of the Ewoks and that wearing the Arm the Animals shirt mm -hmm. um, that we posted, and they just did a Kickstarter campaign that we helped promote so that they could come up with uh, develop more shirts to offer. Um, you know, so because they're really um, high quality T-shirts mm -hmm. and really like super soft, and they've got them. You know, the the female baby doll cut and. For men and <coughs> all different colors mm -hmm. and it, it's just I don't it's a fun way to you know promote animal welfare and you know do it in something where you don't have to be a huge animal supporter to to like the product that they're selling because mm -hmm. I I never want to be one of those people that's like in your face in your face um, you know you have to like my charity because that doesn't <laughs> That doesn't benefit anybody. Yeah. But I liked what they were doing and I offered um, to help them and so did so did Catherine. So we're we're working on a couple of things with them that hopefully we'll be able to talk about later. And Kat's um, actually gonna get some pictures with her Army Animals shirts that she'll be wearing that we'll be posting too. And um, no, but they're they're really good people and I like what they're doing and the shirts are just awesome. Cool, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. just, I, I love the concept. Yeah, so I mean, much. I've just been looking around on the website and, uh, you know, like dolphins with miniguns attached to their <laughs> dorsal fins and stuff like that. I mean, like, yeah, it's, uh, it, they, they're just cool t-shirts and then yeah. it's also, uh, it's also going to a good cause and, and helping yeah. out with, with something important. So that's always, that's always a bonus. I love it when you can do something that you want to do otherwise, but then yeah. it, it, it works out for everybody. Uh, whenever you can be conscious, just just globally conscious, whatever yeah. it is, you know, if it's animals or the environment or uh, right. any social issues or whatever, just, it's it's always great when you can bundle those two things together. Something that you were gonna do anyways, right? But right. you know, like so, you know, if you need a new T-shirt, I mean, yeah, who doesn't want a T-shirt with like set like a panda bear with a gun? I know. Uh, it's yeah. it's. Yeah. I love the cat that throws the grenade. I that's <laughs> it's a cat person that I love that one. 
And um, I'm also, again, it's something that I can't give full disclosure, but I will, uh, the Humane Society of the United States is very near and dear to me as well. And I can tell you that today, uh, James and Catherine, uh, we're, uh, we're working on a, pro we're all working on a project together with the Humane Society of the United States, as well as um, a couple of, couple of biggies in the, the film and animation industries. So... I'm really excited for to be able to talk about that, but it's it's a really fun project that we were really, really fortunate to be a part of, and and James and Cat re they uh, recorded some stuff today for the Humane Society of the United States, so that awesome. was fun. Like yeah, that was another something that we'll be really proud of, and um, was was very exciting to be be involved with. So. Cool. I told him, I was like, I'm going to have you guys involved in every animal organization. <laughs> <laughs> That's wicked. Uh, awesome. Cool. Well, is, are there, are there any other, uh, little tidbits that, that maybe you can throw at us before we close things out? Any any, anything I'm else? I'm trying to think if there's anything that I could say that I wouldn't get in trouble for. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. I have. It's funny. I'm actually looking at um, a piece of paper written with things that I cannot talk about. <laughs> yeah. I just want to so bad, but I can't. Um, no. I mean, I know it's. I probably I'll sound biased, but I, I sincerely mean it. That I, I do think that Star Wars fans are gonna absolutely be, or just gonna love Celebration Six. It's very exciting. Um, you know, big announcements coming and um, announcements coming for, you know, outside of not just with Celebration, but, um, you know, involving James, involving mm -hmm. Catherine uh, coming up. So, you know, it's like, stay tuned. You know, there's things going on with Hughes the Force. There's things going on with Star Wars, Rise of the Consultants, Rancho Obi-Wan, James Arnold Taylor, Catherine Taylor. It's, there's, it's exciting. And, um it's one of the I'm 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 trying to mentally prepare to kind of hunker down because come the next couple of weeks, we're <laughs> really gonna start rolling, and um, but I do I still have your request to talk to to talk to James and Catherine so when their schedules lighten up which is not <laughs> that will be but um, I will do my best to get that get that set up for you guys I promise you yeah. are on the list you are not forgotten I swear <laughs> well we'll take. Any interviews we can get, uh, any opportunity to talk to them uh, is always very appreciated. Um, if anybody does want to keep up to date with what uh, uh, James and Catherine are up to and what you're up to, what are the best ways for people to, to keep up to date with that stuff? Um, let's see. Well, for James, he does have his own website, which is jamesarnoldtaylor.com. Mm -hmm. But um, he does a lot on his Facebook page. So if you, it's facebook.com forward slash J A T actor. So it's Jat actor. And on Twitter, he's also, it's at J A T actor. And for Catherine, um, she's at cat Tabor, C A T T A B E R on Twitter. And, um, let's see, it's the Catherine Tabor fan page on Facebook. And then she also has a website, Catherine Tabor.com. Okay. And, um, I try to keep, there anything that you would want to know for them, including links to their web pages, their Facebook, and their Twitter, can be found at my website, which is parkerpublicity.com. So if you go to parkerpublicity.com, you can find everything you want to know about James. There's a link to Rancho Obi-Wan, a uh, link to Catherine, Rise of the Consultants, Hughes the Force, Army Animals, 
uh, Athena online. It's it's all there. So that maybe that's the easiest one. Parkerpublicity.com. <laughs> awesome. We'll take cool. you anywhere you want to go. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you very much for uh, sitting down and chatting with us and uh, and illuminating our listeners on exactly what it is a publicist does uh, <laughs> and uh, and helping them uh, know that you don't publish books. I think that if we take anything away from this this interview. A publicist does not publish books. Right, uh, but if I ever do, you will be the first to know. <laughs> awesome, yes. Uh, but I but I really appreciate you um, in, inviting me. It's been, I really appreciate it. It was fun. Um, I was shocked when you asked me. <laughs> but I'm so glad you did. It's really, it's fun to talk about, to talk about Star Wars and the awesome people that I get to work with and meet, like you guys. So I really appreciate it. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. I'm sure uh, we'll see you in August at Star Wars Celebration 6. Absolutely. And until then, may the Force be with you. Awesome. Well, another close to another wonderful show. Obi-Wan Kenobi here saying thank you for listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. Brought to you, of course, by StarWarsDaily.com. The Force is strong with you all, and it will be with you always.